0: Hello and welcome back to Blood and Ashes. This is episode 22. I am your host Mo, and I'm joined as always by my eager and excitable friends, Vili. Oh, hello. I forgot Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> and Jody. Boys
1: on Totline line. Oh, you are you <laughs> oh, Can
2: you
0: spell upstaged? Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> no. Uh...
2: <laughs>
1: what language was that, Joe?
0: It's good morning in Vietnamese. Ah, you're going to think I'm lying, but I was thinking it's Vietnamese. I do think you're lying. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> um,. Well, guys, I mean, at this point, it's been three weeks since our last recording, so I am super excited to get into this, um, not specifically about the content, but just to be recording again. I, I forgot how much I look forward to this. I'm also going to make up for my low energy from the last episode, because <laughs> this time I am the polar opposite of energy levels. Uh, I'm not hung over at all, so um, get ready for some really <laughs> verbose callbacks and opinions. <laughs>
3: it took you all of three weeks to get over that one there.
0: eh? <laughs> yes, I've just come out the other side and all my batteries are fully charged. The pedantry meter is up to 100. Let's begin. Oh, oh. turning it up to 11. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready for some more tower time. That's what I'm going to call the white tower focused <laughs> oh, yeah. stretches that we seem to be going through. Um, I'm thoroughly enjoying this I don't know about you guys.
1: Oh, yeah, me too. I, mm. I was reading again today just going like, wow, these three girls spend no time in this tower whatsoever. <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> They come in to show face just every now and then. Hey, guys, what's happening? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, I'm accepted now? Cool, 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 cool. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. And I'm taking my friends with me. Yeah. <laughs> the daughter heir of Andor is coming with.
1: <laughs> they literally just come back to clean some pots and then they leave again. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, and Joe, in the last episode, I asked you if Matt's quarterstaff scene is in the next stretch of chapters and you poker faced it perfectly because it's like the very next chapter. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes it is. Uh, But before I unleash your energy on that chapter, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do in everybody's favorite segment, callbacks. I feel like I need a jingle for callbacks. Words out of my mouth. I'm just okay. <laughs> literally okay. just thought of that
1: right now. It's like we gotta we gotta figure out a jingle.
3: Yeah. Do you uh, remember the uh, original um, Mortal Kombat game we played so much, I can't even uh, remember That would you... be Deadly Alliance. Uh, was it Immoral Wombat Deadly Alliance? I think that was Immoral it. Wombat Deadly <laughs> Alliance. Yeah. There was a stage where they were in hell or something, and there was all that uh-huh. screaming in the background and torture. <laughs> that would be an apt. <laughs> Jingle for callbacks for me. I get,
0: I get the sense that that's all you
3: hear when I'm talking during callbacks. It's just screaming and torture.
2: <laughs>
3: nah, just just, uh, it's, it's all good.
0: I, okay, I really enjoy well, it. <laughs> well, for this insubordination, I oh, will make thanks. the first callback uh, related to you, Willem. Uh, there's no, I don't say anything ever wrong. No, no. <laughs> so as always as always it's just a translation uh you mentioned at one point when um they take the dagger from you know where it's floating above mat during the healing and they put it in the box you said oh, someone uses i wanted to brai- do that callback
3: i forgot about it <laughs> the bry <brai> tongues <laughs> tongues
0: okay why don't you explain to our international
3: listeners what bry tongues are when you barbecue in south africa it's called a bry because a bry is not quite a barbecue a bry is done over coals and fire and the bry mm-hmm. tongs is just exactly that. The tongs mm-hmm. to grab the beef off the grid, flip it over on its uh, other side.
0: I just <laughs> thought this would be a good moment to promote braai's over barbecues. <laughs> That's as it always should it's be. It's
1: always a good moment. I had a braai yesterday. It kicked ass. Well done.
0: Actually, I saw photos. Yes, it did. Yes, I did. I was very proud of the result. The next one is disappointingly unresolved. It oh. is... I just want to call attention to the fact that we have done... I was about to lie and say done really hard work. I haven't done hard work. I've I've read about some Wheel of Time stuff on the internet, and I actually posed the question on Twitter: Who is the well-dressed man giving uh, sage-like advice to Matt in his memories when he wakes up? Because in the episode, we you know we sort of we were a bit stumped. We thought, could it be Ishamael? Because his clothing is often mentioned, uh, and he had been appearing to Rand and Perrin. Um, in their dreams, and we assume maybe it could be Matt. Could it be Arthur Hawking? Uh, some people on Twitter think that it is just one of those memories from his um, his bloodline that might be mixed in with his, sort of like sowing the seeds of these unknown memories. But even that, I feel like, you know, we've got the long actual flashback in that chapter. So it would be kind of superfluous. And it isn't obviously, like if if I was writing that stanza and I wanted to put in something like that, I would make it obvious that it's not something from his recent past. Um, I thought about, could it be Tom? Uh, Because, you know, he was giving him sort of like fatherly advice, but he wouldn't be described as well-dressed. Like, I mean, he's dressed probably well-dressed, but I mean. (laughs) Underneath that patchwork cloak. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, it just seems like there is no uh, definitive answer for that in the broader Wheel of Time community or where I have found any mention of it in, um, in like, you know, even old message boards and stuff. Like, I've, I've, I have done a fair bit of work looking around for it and no
3: one can give me a straight answer. Yeah. it seems that you have uh, done a lot of diving into that and you found no answer. I did some diving into the dark corners of the internet myself looking for men in red shirts and i was very disappointed with that i found <laughs> isn't the term um red shirts
0: actually like commonly used to describe characters of the type like that man in red shirt that was killed in feldara and it's just like um basically yeah. cannon fodder you know like people that are
1: is it a wheel yes. of time thing
0: or was it like a common media huh,
1: it's a star trek thing
0: oh mm. yes because although they, they send down an,
1: an away party to the planet's surface to go investigate something and there's always some <laughs> random you know actor that's not gonna the, die who's wearing a red shirt you know oh that's you can't kill off the main characters but you can
0: kill off that red shirt guy for sure wow i wonder if robert jordan put a guy in a red shirt in there as a reference to star trek did he have a hey. red shirt or we just like evolved this no, red shirted guy man. the guy was wearing a red shirt when when that gray man oh, wow. shoots at Rand in the Amorlin, he hits a red shirt and the guy oh, dies. No, and no Star one cares. Trek <laughs> reference. Everyone carries on with their conversations as if nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a dead person <laughs> there. Wow, then definitely, yeah, Star Trek reference. Yeah, he was a nerd. Uh, old RJ. Mm-hmm. Still on Matt's memories, though. There is one question that jody you asked that i did find a mm-hmm. definitive answer for you asked in our episode if we ever find out who the general is that matt is sort of you know um, embodying in that flashback oh yeah and it it seems universally accepted that it was actually king amon of Menetherin himself that's what i also thought during this uh hiatus we had the implication both there and later in the story, is that Matt is actually a direct descendant of King Amon himself, which is why oh. the blood flows so strongly within Matt. So, in that scene, um, that commander refers to the archers, the cavalry, all those things as his. Mm. King Amon is known to have led his armies himself. Mm -hmm. king amon was also known to be a gambler i mean that's a dead giveaway right Mm because the guy even remembers in that flashback he is known as a bit of a gambler and it's time to toss the dice Um, and robert jordan has not corrected people that have asked him questions about it in interviews about whether that is amon or not he hasn't corrected people when they said in that amon memory it's actually even referred to as an amon memory (laughs) Um, and robert jordan was well known for actually correcting people's canon when asking him questions, if they get something wrong, he would correct it. And he's never corrected that. So all those things point to me to the fact that that is um King Amen. All right. Hmm. That's pretty rad. I like that. I'll take that. Yeah. It's um it's really cool. I like I like that whole thing. And we also spoke about a lot about like um, you know, how Matt's memories coming to the fore now work. How is that related to the stuff that the Elfin and the elfin give him, you know? And in all this reading that I've done, I've come across a sort of a theme. No one, I think, even says it outright, but it seems like a lot of people feel, and I mean, I use the word feel on purpose there, because it isn't explicitly stated anywhere, that when he was healed from the um, the, the link to the dagger, that mm. some kind of maybe block... Was also removed, not just with memories, but a block of some of his other memories. And because he's already exhibited before any of this, before even Shadow Logoth, he was shouting stuff in the old tongue. Yeah. Um, that you know, now with an extra block removed, that stuff is coming through even clearer now. In Jody, in your chapter, when he's talking to Hamar, he says something, and Hamar mm. goes, "You speak the old tongue," yeah. and he's he's just talking it now, like you know, like it's just coming out, and he hasn't had anything to do with it, mm. to do with the um, the elfin or the elfin yet. Yeah. So. It seems to be implied that Matt has memories from his own bloodline, which descends directly from King Amen, which obviously lends him some kind of credibility in, in the field of, you know, commanding and battle and strategy and tactics and that sort of stuff. And then the memories given to him from the, um, the Finns are actually from people that entered the Tower of Genji or the archways that went to the Finns. The Finns gathered their memories somehow and bestowed those. And I mean, if you can think of the type of person that would go do that, it's usually like adventurers or people with like, you know, at least some semblance of, you know, how to deal with conflict. You know, like mm. if you're going into an unknown place, you are probably an explorer or a warrior or a general.
3: Mm. Yeah, people don't get lost going and f- stumble upon them
0: it's not the 12-year-old girl picking mushrooms that's making her way into the Tower yeah. of genji
3: like it, these are
0: hardened fighters i would assume or mm. it's not a, i would say it's not a leap to assume that and those memories that matt gets then his 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 memory holes filled with those those memories are not from his bloodline so the two sort of concepts are distinct from each other yeah. like he has all the stuff from his bloodline and then he also gets the stuff from external sources from from the fins well, I think from the fins, like th- that's what they charge. That's their price. The memories. That's what they mm. feed off.
1: So that's where they got. Is the it price. emotion
0: or memories, or maybe I don't know. Maybe both. Maybe both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one for the one and the other for the other.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. We'll go with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> callbacks, people. Here no, you go. <laughs> I was trying to avoid You're a doing callback. callbacks. Callbacks <laughs> on the callbacks now. That's just <laughs> going too meta. Billy, it's, it's not our, it's not our first. <laughs> Um, speaking of Matt, uh, we also, you know, we, we sort of pontificate about whether the girls are Taveran or not. And I've always said it's just a fun exercise because it's never explicitly stated one way or the other. So it just leaves the door open, a crack for us to like look for signs that it could be. Um I'm sure that if Robert Jordan intended for us to know that they were Taveran, it would have it would have come up. But when we were talking about it, we, I said that no Swan or Logan never see anything around Matt or Perrin, or if they do, they never say anything. And Adrian wrote in and she said that there is an accepted Nicola that actually has that talent, and she sees a glow around Matt in Saladar. So
1: hmm. I remember Nicola. Yes,
0: yes, you will. She's, she features. I mean she she learns. she can do that, she has that talent, she has the talent of foretelling, and she can make quane DR. so oh. yeah, she features.
1: Oh yeah, that's why I remember her. She is not insignificant.
0: Yes. Then we wondered about whether Matt has ever seen Celine. Hmm, yes. But I went back, Vili, and I checked those chapters where they saw the woman in the m- in the window. It was only Uno that okay, ever saw so her. I set myself up there. Yep. We called it out then, and here I am closing that loop. we we know that matt didn't see her there but you know lanfear appears to both rand and perrin in their dreams and maybe she's appeared to matt in his dreams as Hmm. celine or lanfear who knows we then thought okay well matt also seems to recognize her name or he thinks he should know it and rand tells them all about celine when they meet up in khan again um or Kyrian. Sorry, it's been mm-hmm. a while since we were in that city, so I reverted to my old, my old pronunciation. But in Kyrian, um, Rand tells them everything about that, and they talk about Celine openly, so Matt has definitely heard her name. Then, another hot topic of debate. Why does Varen not share Kyrianon's notes with Egwene? I know. You do? Mm. Tell me, because my very next sentence in my notes is, no clear answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's the exact same no, thing I've, Billy was uh, going to say in this uh-huh.
3: reading now and the involvement that she had with all of the Terangriel mm-hmm. there is for me a lingering and growing suspicion that she was black herself mm-hmm. and that uh, Varen there didn't lie or didn't just, just didn't give and I think that might have been sort of a pre- maybe there's something in that because there's so little known, and we'll we we'll learn about it a bit later now in the chapters, mm. about those specific Tarangriels, Yeah. That yeah. you don't want to go off someone else and go and pry it and find yourself stilled for some whatever reason. Mm. Because you mm. did something with the wrong piece of metal um, or wrong piece of wood or stone or whatever they yeah. were made of. Yeah. And it's, I mean,
0: we, we also speculated in our last episode, that it could be because she was also Black Arja. Maybe, you know, there was mm. something incriminating in her notes. We know that she broke Tower law by removing any reference of that Tarang real from any of the mm. Tower records. Um, and then like reading these chapters and seeing, like you know, Tarang real, last studied by Korean and Nadal. Mm. or Nadal, you know, and those being, you know, targeted by the Black Arja members. And um, Varen, we know, is Black Arja. Varen is the only one that found her notes and found the Tarang real. Viren's the only one that knows it exists. You know, it just... It's too convenient. And it seems to be generally accepted that Varen is caught between her Black Aja oaths and her um, instructions
3: from the Amalyn. Now, I'm telling you, those Brown sisters, they've got their own oaths that they swear to knowledge that mm. no one knows about. So one day it will come out in a sub-book about the the, the <laughs> adventures of the Brown Aja. Not very action-packed, <laughs> I'm going to say. But... She is, oh man, she's fast becoming one of my favorite characters in this whole series
0: all of a sudden. Same, hey? Same. And I mean, okay, on that topic of Varen, uh, we were wondering, so who would task Varen with identifying the Black Arger members? We had a listener, Richard Jackson, write in on Twitter with a couple points relevant to this question. The first is that um, Varen undertook studying the Black Arger herself. Before becoming Black Archer, when she was just a normal brown and interested in the Black Archer, when she started studying them, she was caught by them and they threatened her. They said, either you join the Black Archer or you die. Yes. So, Varen could have been already working on that list by herself as a matter of study, as a matter of interest. And not necessarily tasked by anyone, because I went back and I, I, I was trying to figure out, like, who would task. I mean, the Forsaken are all sort of, I mean, they stand a step above the Black Archer members. Who is controlling the Black Archer? We know Masana is embedded in the Tower, but then when I went and I read up on the history of the Black Archer, was actually founded by uh, Ishamal. Mm. He founded the Black Archer, and the Black Archer they have a controlling body called the Supreme Council, and it is a group of thirteen sisters the magic Mm -hmm. number, 13 sisters in charge of the entire Black Arger. One of those sisters was Sheriam. Huh. And another thing Richard wrote in about is don't feel too sorry for Sheriam. She was certainly not coerced into being a Black Arger member. And then when I read about, okay, look, it's never stated explicitly in the books that Sheriam was on the Supreme Council of of the Black Arger but it does say that she was a leader among them. And that is the only leadership group that mm. exists. So it's yeah. pretty safe mm. to assume, assume that she was on it. I think I was conflating the time that you find out Sheriam is a Black Arger member, is a time when she is routinely being beaten by Halima, who is, um, I think, was it Agnal? No, Balthamil. <laughs> I was about to say, or Balthamil.
1: Yeah. No, it One was Balthamil.
0: Balthamil came back as a woman. Um, because that was the cruel joke. Aganor came back yes. as Tashiva.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah, so I don't feel sorry for her at all. I don't. Um, and the <laughs> the chair of the Supreme Council, so the Black Archer member in charge of the entire Black Archer is Elvi who is the one that becomes, she's the white who becomes um, Elida's keeper. Uh, keeper, yes. And the one that captures Rand and puts him in the box. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, no, I think that was Galena. Kalina. Wasn't Galina leading oh, that thing?
1: Yeah. She's so many Aes Yes. There. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Excuse me it's... for getting them mixed up.
0: <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Bottom line, don't feel sorry for Sheriam. Roger that. Oh, uh, Joe, in one of the chapters uh, in our last episode where Egwene is going through the accepted archers, um, you mentioned that you think... Um, Egwene is under the impression that Elida is going to try and turn Rand instead of just gentling him. Mm. I went back and I read that and there isn't a specific mention of the turning or anything like that. Egwene has a thought like 13, that happens to be the same number as, and then her thought is interrupted. Mm. But I was thinking like, I wonder if Elida would be able to get half men Close enough, or a black sister would be able to get half men close enough to Rand to be able to do that if there are so many warders and Aes Sedai around who can sense shadow spawn, which made me think maybe they can place wards on them to, you Mm. know, like shield their shadow spawniness. Uh, But it also made me go and read again about like Villy's question like, exactly how does that work? Like, why 13 sisters channeling through 13 half men? What does it mean? And apparently, it's because of the fact that any channeler, channeler of the one power can potentially channel the true power as well. Oh. And that's the weakness that allows them to be turned to the dark one. And when 13 sisters channel through 13 half-men, it's the true power used to create the half-men that is added to the one power that they are channeling. So they're basically using the half-men as like true power Terangriel or Ungreal mm. through which to channel and add true power into the weaves to turn the other channeler that they are trying to turn to the shadow. Ah, that's <laughs> pretty cool. Eh? Like, yeah, that's thanks, RJ. That's that's rad.
1: That's where oh, okay. That's what Rand does with moradin in the end in the last book. He uses his conduit. Yeah, hey, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first we see of it like ah oh, ma- this is where yeah. he gets the idea this is how he figures it out
0: all right okay well there we go
1: billy block your ears he no, okay. uh, <laughs> he seals the
0: ball with the true power
1: which he gets through yes. Moridan he channels through moradin he uses that he rings the ch- bell yeah so this is where we learn about it. this is where he figures it out through this it through can process, be done like there's process. a mechanic yeah there's yeah. a
0: mechanic that uh, facilitates that which is huh. super cool. This is like Brandon Sanderson sort of like hemorrhagy levels of like, yeah. uh, you know, thinking about how the mechanics of the magic work. Then I went to read about the significance of 13 channelers. Jodie, we spoke about doing that uh, healing, how the girls might've felt compelled to join the circle because of the number yep. of sisters that would be channeling. I, th- I couldn't find anything like that about like um, how it would compel you to join. But I think there are actually references in the books later where, you know, mm. You know, when, when they embrace the source, they feel like they, they they do feel compelled, like almost like magnets pulling at each other, like the power yeah. wants to join the other power sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I think the a circle is 13, isn't it? It can be much less than that.
0: Uh, so or a any, full circle, I mean, like... The... Any two channelers can yeah. link. Yeah. Okay. The maximum number of women only in a circle is 13. Ah, If they want to add more people than that, a man has to join. Okay. So when you add one man, 13 more women can join. And you can't have, I mean, there's specific pairings. There's there's limitations (laughs) to how the men, women you can have. But basically in the low numbers, like you can have one man and one woman. You can have two women. And I think... Two men. I don't know. Doesn't really matter. But there's like these <laughs> yeah. really, really specific restrictions.
1: I wish. I wish our listeners could see Billy's face.
0: <laughs> Billy's just like. I wish what I the couldn't. <laughs> this is this is
3: swinging me back to sitting in a science classroom, learning about protons and neutrons and nucleus and electrons. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, Atomic jumping, weight. It, atomic <laughs> weights and jumping yeah. of, of it's, too much.
0: That's kind of how my eyes go when I start reading about the notation for the power levels of the different sisters. You know, it's like a number and then another number in brackets. Like it'll be a couple episodes down the line before I delve in that. When we really have like who is truly the strongest between Nanyev and Swain or like you know whatever the just whatever the, yeah. the comparisons might be. But before this podcast has run its course, I will get my head around the power levels. If any of our listeners have a succinct
3: way of explaining it, please do. <laughs> Please. You can fire that question directly at Moritz. You can give it to him. Yes, <laughs> yes, you can at
0: me. Um, then, Vili, I will apologize to you. That or, sounds right. Uh, actually, I should apologize to both of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm involved too. Yip, yip. <laughs> I was extremely dismissive of Alana being interested in RAND and using uh, the excuse of, you know, sharing Egwene's punishment in the kitchens to ingratiate herself with Egwene to get closer to the Rand. Because I'm saying, Alana has got no idea who Rand is. But that's not true. She does have an idea of who Rand is because Alana was in Faldara when the Amalyn came down to visit. And she saw the ruckus that Rand caused in the women's quarters. She knows that Rand had an audience with the Amalyn seat, you know, like he is the sort of mysterious lord. So her interest could definitely have been piqued. So, I take back what I said. Alana could very much be angling to get closer to Rand because she might have found him interesting back then. I mean, she's a green after all. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he does have wonderfully
1: turned down calves.
0: He sure does. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh,
1: those calves. <laughs> if
0: it, <does> that mean? <laughs> <laughs> he crosses a courtyard like a cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yes, um, Alana definitely knows who Rand is. Joni, we were talking about like how you know some of the later books, um, you know, despite being boring, might have a like a really like climactic ending. And we were talking about like which are the books in which they cleanse the source and they use the bowl of winds. And we were sort of thinking, what is the end of book ten? This is a long-winded way of saying the end of book ten is Egwene getting caught going (laughs) into the tower. It is an anticlimax. Book ten
3: is probably my least favorite of all the books so that's going to be a real interesting read put oh, yeah. been like in the that. we're probably going to get there and we're going to go like oh there's all this missing things that we didn't read that we didn't know yes that's yeah. that's what i'm hoping for that's that's how i'm encouraging myself through the slog
0: as we keep saying we're going to we're going to really try Our we're going to give this thing its best chance ever of being super interesting um, and hopefully all this like discussing and uh, and theorizing will will help Jodie, you took note of Beldine's name because you want to take note of, you know, who the Aes Sedai are and try and remember their names. Um, mm, I'd already forgotten she, about her. <laughs> <laughs> she does play a role later. Egwene had not met her before going into the Arches, so there she yeah. met an actual person for the first time in the Arches. She seems to be well-liked, generally. Uh, she is a green, as we saw in the Arches, but she actually sides with the Tower during the split.
1: I don't hold any grudges against the sisters who stayed with the tower. Yeah, you gotta, you got to make a choice. No, me neither. Yeah. Me neither.
0: Nor does Egwene, so who are we? Okay. Did you guys have any callbacks you wanted to discuss? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Wait, now that I think about it, no. <laughs> <laughs> Still no. Okay, so let's get to it. Um, last time, I've got in brackets here previously on Blood and Ashes. Uh, We left off with Egwene having just become accepted and joined uh, Elaine in Nynaeve's room for a nice uh, cathartic cry in Nynaeve's lap. Um, That was the last chapter that we read, but just before that, we had also read about um, Matt being visited by Landfair and Swan uh, while resting up after his healing. Mm. Uh, But the very last chapter was, Egwene is now accepted, which takes us into chapter 24 called Scouting and Discoveries. This one is for you on a silver platter, Jody. Why, thank you. I appreciate the platter.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm going to need that back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope, you gave it to me. It's too late. So, we join Matt. He wakes up in Tarvalon, the sun streaming on his face. He still has no plan on how he's going to get out of there because he passed out early the night before because the poor guy is <laughs> stuffed. food coma your food coma, <laughs> totally um, some serving women enter and bring him another huge tray of food and they'll comment on how good he's looking and he uh, looks much much better and i always wondered like as he opens his eyes they enter the room how this has happened before many times do they just know is there a ward on his room they're waiting outside previously mm. in the last thing when he wakes up the tray is still there there's still condensation on the jug the meat is mm. still hot this was just put there right before he wakes up. I don't know.
0: I uh, maybe just. That makes for a good story, don't there's it? There's, in some, there's someone hiding in the cupboard. <laughs> yeah, just waiting. He's waking up. Or quick, the, quick! Well, the door's just always open when he's asleep.
1: <laughs> well, look, no one knocks. They just walk in on him all the time. Yeah. So anyway, uh, they leave the food there for him, and uh, uh, he gets up, you know, to go and just check himself out in the mirror. When they leave, he just decides, oh, he's going to get dressed. He's going to go exploring hence the ch- the chapter's title scouting and discoveries and he obviously gets dressed takes his dice cups and then he realizes you know oh shit he is hungry so he chows again everything on the serving tray and uh after that he heads into the city uh with his two dice cups because he realizes look he's going to have to get some money at some point if he's going to be able to get out of here and go traveling again and it's pretty hard to find your way out of the tower it would seem lots of twists and turns and passages and courtyards and but anyway, once he's outside, uh, he starts asking around for the bridge guard because he needs to chat to some guys and figure out how he's going to get out of the city and what things are looking on the outside. And he finds them just outside their barracks, oiling their swords and whatnot, doing whatever these guys are doing. You know, they're they're between shifts, I imagine. And starts asking about what's going on outside the city and at the bridge uh, gates and all those kind of things. Um, but they already know who he is. So the jig is up. They they have been informed about this guy to not let him mm-hmm. pass. So you know, the Isodai are way ahead of him, but apparently the white cloaks have surrounded the city. Um, they're not hassling anybody in particular. They're just, you know, flexing their muscles, you know, letting their presence be felt around the city. And I wonder—I don't remember what happens later on <laughs> about this, but I'm sure there's there's going to be some conflict there. So. Um, they seem like uh these these bridge guards, at least. They seem like a bunch of decent guys, you know, but of course their loyalty is to the tower, so Matt just leaves it. He's not going to get anything from them, and they're mm. not gonna change their minds because he uh, mm-hmm. grins nope. at them. No. So anyway, he on his way out to the next scouting mission, he uh on one of the paths, he bumps into Elsie. Not physically. Yes, not physically. Who is uh Lanfear in disguise? He's so happy to see her. Um, but uh, she is not so happy to see him. She recognizes <laughs> him, of course, knows who he is. He can't figure out why she's so mean, but he figures, well, she's starting to be an Aes Sedai, so that's probably what happens to women who become Aes Sedai.
3: Why over that, in that bit, is she so... I mean, okay, we know she's Lanfear, Yes. Mm. And I don't understand the distance thing. that yes is being kept, like, is it, is the, does she have weak magic making her look like Elsie so that she can... If she well, it's just an illusion. Yeah. Mm. The,
0: she's she's not shape-shifting. It's the the weave that they use is an optical illusion. So if mm. you got too close to it, I think they even mention it in later books, like when the when the girls start using it, when people start actually disguising their look, that you can't make physical contact with it because it'll break the illusion. So she's keeping her distance from him because she doesn't want to be
3: Um, Oh, found out. Okay, so she didn't drink like a a pumpkin potion, like in Harry Potter, (laughs) stole a hair of Elsie and chucked it in some brew. She hasn't
0: shapeshifted. She's um she's got this. It's like a why do I want to call it a mask of mirrors or something, something like that.
1: Yeah, that sounds familiar
0: from some other fantasy property,
1: (laughs) probably. (laughs) that was the next sentence in my notes. she's she's social distancing? Maybe he has COVID. Who knows that's why i said
0: when he bumps into her he doesn't bump into her physically yeah Mm. because she's making a big point of keeping her physical distance from him
1: yeah because he even massively so
3: the the pathway is massive
1: yeah like there's plenty Mm. of space for her to pass but she still makes Mm. him get out of the way and he's like Mm. well that's weird okay because of the the illusion of course Mm -hmm. right but yeah he just figures she's just being eyes to die so anyway fine he gets out of her way and um She runs away and he carries on. So on his next stop, he hears some uh, noises and some clattering and some fighting and some shouting. And he arrives at the water training ground where Mm -hmm. a bunch of pervy sisters and accepted have gathered to watch Gallard train with his shirt off. Sweat glistening in the sun. That's how you know that wasn't really Elsie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because she would have been there. (laughs) Totally. She wouldn't be leaving the courtyard. Nope, no. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Gallad is there. Uh, yeah, these, these I, said, "I have no shame. I mean, you can expect it from the accepted, but come on, I said, I... Uh Gallad is sparring with Gowan, and uh, when they take a, a little break, Gowen recognizes Matt sitting there under the tree watching them. So, you know, he whispers to his brother, and they, they head over to have a chat with him. And they ask him if he has come to learn the sword, but he says he's, he is more comfortable using a quarterstaff or a bow uh you're loving it getting there getting there <laughs> uh gavin <laughs> asks about rand with intensity in his eyes and i'm wondering because he mentions yeah uh, your friend rand had a very interesting sword and when he tries to get inf- more information about a rand his-, his facial expression changes he gets very intense about it. And i'm wondering if it's only again because he's interested in Egwene and he knows Egwene has a connection to rand or is there something more about rand because
0: Hmm. he certainly finds Rand interesting from the get-go. Yes. You know he's always taken an interest in Rand, and he's—I um, think he's intrigued by the fact that he looks like an Aielman. Yeah. All right. He—he so, he knows there's more to that story. I don't know. Does he know about a connection between Egwene and Rand?
3: I'm Probably knows they're from the sure.
0: same. Yeah. Mm, same town. Yeah. I don't know. That's what—that was my
1: question. Mm. But anyway, we can find out later, I suppose. Um, yeah because he mentioned rand's heron sword and all that and matt says that you know swords are not the be-all and end-all and uh, you could give them a run for their money with a quarterstaff and so like, mm-hmm. now there's an idea <laughs> i need some money
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah so he proposes a wager uh, odds two two to one odds you know uh, some silver so i'll take on both of you guys with your swords and me and a quarterstaff and they just, you know, at first they laugh at the idea because, of course, Matt looks like death. He's a skeleton <laughs> walking around. They know he's just been healed. They're like, no, we're not, we're not going to fight you. Also, they're arrogant royals, so they, they just think that they're going to be able to kick his ass anyway. But then old Master uh, Hamar overhears what they are talking about, and he's like, no, 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 no. Let's let's see how this plays out, you know. like Even if these guys won't match your wager, I'll do it. So, um, <laughs> all right, game on. So Matt gets a staff from the water's gear that's standing up there. And uh, as he walks back to the, to, the, to the fight, the other two, they're already standing there ready to, to take him on. And this is when he says that line in the old tongue that you mentioned, and he has luck. Mm. Time to toss the dice, and Master Hamar says to him, oh, you speak the old tongue. He's like, ah, oh, shit. Again, stuff like <laughs> slipping out of his mouth without him even knowing about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to go word by word through this entire fight scene, because <laughs> you have to <laughs> you have to read it. But yeah. Brilliant fight scene. I've, I've uh, kind of summarized it here. I went into the mathematics of it. Uh, he takes care of Gawain with the first two blows in around yeah. 10 seconds. It's ankle 10 head. seconds. What? One yeah. second. Like okay. soup, I'm, soup. I'm giving, Gawain, I'm giving Gawain <laughs> the benefit of the doubt from when, from when he stands there looking at them.
3: Uh, he's pretty enough. He's got blonde hair. Don't give him anything. <laughs> All right. So two <laughs> seconds. I
1: mean, the first Gawain comes at him. He takes ankle and the side of the head. That's it. Gawain is out of the game. <laughs>
3: he <laughs> like, smashes him in the head. Yes. Like, he's bleeding. He's bleeding. <laughs> he compares yeah. it to, like, he was worried for a split second. And then he's like, yeah, I've fallen off fences harder than that. <laughs> she'll be right. <laughs> he will be fine. She'll,
1: she'll be right, mate. Um, <laughs> Matt. She's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Gallard lasts a little bit longer, as to be, is, is to be expected, of course. But Matt uh, finishes him with four quick blows. It's knee, wrist, ribs, and stomach. The fish. <laughs> The fifth is a stab with the butt to his throat. His intention, before he stops himself reflexively, was to smash his throat in and kill him. Like he went for the killing <laughs> blow, but he's like, "Whoa!" Yes. He stops himself and just goes, "Okay, okay, that's we just you know I just need to stop him, not fucking kill him. This is a bit crazy." I'm not
3: <laughs> rubbing him. I'm just winning a bet. <laughs> <laughs> just winning a
1: bet. In total, Matt strikes only twelve times. Eight of those blows land, and four are blocked, all of them by Galad. Yeah. Yes. Only 12. It is, And this brought up another thing, because I have been obsessed with swords since I was 10 years old, and I watched The Highlander for the first time. Mm. Greatest movie in the world, not the greatest movie in the world. And mm-hmm. yes, so obsessed with swords. And I've always wondered, like, how would you fight a guy with a sword that can cut through anything, especially if they're fighting with, like, a heron mark blade or a power-infused blade, with a stick, and this mm. is the answer you hit wrists, ankles, uh knees, those kind of things. Yeah. you don't hit the sword so you, you you like hit the sword out of his hands so It's like, oh, this is you know very interesting to me so anyway mm. Matt uh yeah, like I said, like Matt's final blow was to crush his throat, but he stops himself just in time uh almost like after this fight, he almost collapses, but nobody seems mm. to care about him. This is Matt. no <laughs> no, no.
0: <laughs> all the Iodiah running over Gallard.
1: Gallad, they first help Gawain, obviously, because he's out cold and blood is squirting out of his brain. <laughs> so <laughs> they have to, have to do something. Um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll take care of him. But mostly they're concerned about Gallad. Like Gallad, the last blow is to his stomach with the butt of the uh, of the quarterstaff. Mm. And he goes down in a lump. And Master Hammer actually says to him, like, listen, son, if you can't get up now, fight's over. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't drag this buddy. out. <laughs> You're done. Like, he's... Uh, <laughs> His pride won't let him, but he can't even stand up. He's physically incapable. So of course the Aes Sedai and, and every and all the accepted surround him and just try to uh, trying to heal him, <laughs> get their hands on him. Like finally we could touch him. Um, everyone is, uh, and then um, like Matt notices as well that everyone has stopped
0: and is watching him. Yeah, all the other guys practicing, yeah.
1: All the practice guys, all the ni- all the servants, all the Aes Sedai that are not uh, running their hands all over Galad. Uh, everyone else is just staring at him. Uh, the Aes Sedai giving him such a stink eye. <laughs> like, <laughs> how dare you hit our man? Uh, Hamar takes this opportunity to make a point about the greatest swordsman who ever lived. Uh, how do you pronounce this, Moritz? Oh, what was his name? Jerem. J Jerem, I was well, pronounce it. Jarum, I Jarum. suppose. Sure. Jarum. Jerem. We'll go, we'll go with Jerem. Jazza. Jazza. <laughs> <laughs> J-Man. <laughs> Who fought over 10,000 times and only lost once to a farmer with a quarterstaff. Makes them remember yeah. that. So keep your arrogance
0: in check, my young Padawans. I think we mentioned in a previous episode that uh, people think that that's inspired by Musashi. He's, uh, you know, the famous, was he Japanese? Oh, could be c- committing Japanese. cultural <laughs> atrocities here. <laughs> but he was a famous uh, sword fighter who, he didn't, he also didn't lose to a guy with a quarterstaff, but he had the most trouble with yeah. a guy that had a quarterstaff.
1: I'll have to, I'll have to Google that because you've mentioned it a couple of times, Moritz, before mm. in, in previous broadcasts, but it's not something I'm, I'm you know, aware of. Cool. Um. Yeah, so Gavin pays Matt his money, um, and Hamar pays for Gallard, because it would be best if, because Matt asks him, could I, could I go to Gallard and get my money? Like, <laughs> it's just worth his money. And, Ga- and Hamar's like, no, Pony maybe... up, bitches. Yeah, like... <laughs> um,
3: just to chime in there, Miyotomo uh, yeah? Mushashi was a well-known Japanese swordsman, philosopher, strategist, and writer of Ronin. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it, it was Japanese. Cool.
1: Um, so anyway, Hamar pays for Gallad because, yeah, it would not be best at the moment. Matt don't approach Gallad with those Sedai around him to ask for his money because it'll not end well for you. I'll just pay you, and I'll get the money from Gallad later, all right so um when Hamar asks Matt where he's from, Matt immediately says, minetherin and then of course immediately regrets saying that and goes, no, no, I mean the two rivers, so he's just speaking the old tongue, saying he's from minetherin he just can't help himself anymore. Um, he then excuses himself quickly saying, oh, you need some food. Uh, one of the greatest lines is that from this entire chapter is how to describe Matt's hunger. It's earlier in the chapter. It's like hunger gnawed at Matt as if he had swallowed weasels. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love that line. But anyway, Amazing. uh, he keeps the staff, the quarter staff, because if he lets go of it, he'll just collapse. And, uh, he heads back to the tower, just barely able to stand, let alone walk. And, and that's
0: where we leave him off getting, going back to the tower to get something else to eat. And that's what makes this chapter so impressive is the fact that Matt is actually still severely compromised. Like exactly. he is so handicapped by his, um, his fragile state. Uh, when he gets up off the ground, when Hammer has said, I'll pay for you, he's like, oh, hang on. <laughs> Are you sure you want to do this? And now yeah. that I see you trying to stand up, you don't look so hot. Yeah. And Matt, stubborn gambler.
1: There's even a moment when he grabs the, uh, the quarterstaff and he turns around and his knees buckle. Like, just before yes. he's about to fight. Mm. Like, he's in no state, and yet 12 no. blows. He only strikes 12 times. If he had been well, three strikes, max.
0: Probably. Yeah. It's one of those blows, like, is he holding, I imagined at one point, him holding the quarter staff like, right at the bottom with both hands. And using mm. the full length of it yes. to hit Gowan, I think, specifically, mm. in the ankle or something like that. Like, he spins in a wide arc, and he's got, yes. like, so the leverage of the full quarter staff. Smashing into Gowan's Gaw- ankle, oh, and the way it's and then it described, often he spins
1: the other way. Ex- that's it. That's the one I was about to say right now. The way it's described in the book, like when he hits Gallad in the ribs, he lets the quarterstaff bounce off his ribs to facilitate the spin that he's going to do next, and that's mm-hmm. the that reflection or that deflection of Gallad's ribs mm. is what carries the weight into Ga- into Gawain's head and knocks him yes. unconscious.
0: You you get so much more detail in this specific fight than you do from any sword fight. Yeah. Because Robert Jordan is only using the names of the sword forms mm. when he's describing the fights. Like, you, you glean so little. And here, it's like, this is what he's doing with the quarterstaff. And this is the part of his body he's hitting. Like, mm. you know, with Turek, we didn't know whether he was cut in half or decapitated or, like, his hand was Maybe cut off. No,
1: settled it, like... that.
3: He was sliced in half. <laughs>
1: well, when we read it, we didn't understand what happened. But, yeah.
3: I want to draw attention back to that first blow on mm. Gowan's ankles. Mm. And mm. we are talking about a two-inch thick, probably a yes. maple stick. We have yeah. all been bowled on the ankles with a cricket ball. Yes. I know that pain. It's, <laughs> I, I don't even want to know what it feels like to be smacked on the ankle bone <laughs> with a stick like that.
1: that. That fight scene as well when he goes for the ankle and then the ribs and then hits G- Gawain on the head. And the next one when he spins around again is he hits um, Gallad on the wrist and knocks the sword out of his hand. And there's, look, there's even a note there that says like he he rolled and tucked and picked up the sword as if he didn't feel the pain in his wrist, but damn, mm. you would have felt that man. Yes. So, for, for props sure. to props to Gallad there for keeping a poker
3: face. Hey, he's, he's he a there. he's a fantastic swordsman. I mean, oh yeah, he is real good, real good. So yeah. he he couldn't fall like his brother, shame poor Gowen. Yeah. A little little brother Look,
0: compared to Galad, Gawain is the uh, inferior swordsman But Gawain is also no slouch Now, I'm sitting myself for for another callback here But doesn't Gawain kill Hamar on the way out of the tower When the younglings escape? Dude, you're asking the wrong people But yes, callbacks Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was either him or one of his younglings I haven't forgotten younglings. about the younglings completely. Thanks for <laughs> reminding me. It's <laughs> that band. That's what we're doing here. As we said on here before, um, Galad uh, he kills um, Eamon Valda, mm. who is a legit blade master.
1: Yeah, yes, not one of these Sean Chan pretend blade masters. No,
0: <laughs>
3: exactly. We all have had tremendous. Um, excitement about this chapter coming and it's one of the Mm. chapters that I would never forget because it is just so bloody good it's fantastic it did not disappoint I I left this
0: chapter with the same sort of sense of like yes Matt it's also so great like we're finally getting the Matt that we know and we're like two and a half books Mm. in you know and now finally there's our Matt there he is not emo Matt Mm. yes no it's it's great man I re- I, do- I remember this chapter being, or that
1: fight being, much longer. Like in my memories, it was me. Me too, yeah.
0: but it's it's epic that it yeah. was actually so short. <laughs> like he just sorts them out and, yeah. <laughs> and limps off with his new money. I would say less than a minute in total between easily. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah twelve 40, twelve blows, five seconds done. 40,
1: yeah. I like it. There's another yeah. scene as well where he goes. Uh, Gawain says to him, "Like I'll wager those two silvers that I just paid you that bl- something that the Sedai or something, but I can't remember." And Matt goes, mm. "Not your two silvers." He puts them in his pocket. Mine. My <laughs> silvers. <laughs> 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 oh,
0: he is so great. I also just love like how um when Matts like walks up on the on the on the brothers and he sees them finding and he's sort of identifying them. Mm he thinks he would not want to spend much time in Galad's company because they are just like complete opposites. Galad, like stickler for the rules, will do the right thing. And Matt, almost like compulsive rogue, you know, like (laughs) breaks rules for no real reason other than to break them. Um, I just thought that was funny, like imagining the two of them having to have a conversation, Galad and and Matt. Yeah. (laughs) Matt also refused in this thing. He says he refused to call Elaine my lady and Mm. he decided he would not do her brother better. Mm. Yep, <laughs> he's not going to call them my lady or anything. Like already, we're seeing Rick Matt showing up. We see it later with the girls, like with, with Swan, with Celine. Like
3: all of them, is he's, he's cautious, but he's not respectful at all. But what I will touch on then is um, going back to where that Matt's memories come from that we spoke about in the callbacks. Mm-hmm. If you look at this chapter and you really see the Minotauran part, the old tongue mm-hmm. coming out. Refusing Mm -hmm. to acknowledge other royalty. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's he's a king. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of king behavior. That's true. It is. Absolutely. Because to be a king, you also have to be a bit of a jerk. Yeah. And he can wield a quarterstaff like a boss. He sure can. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like a farmer. My last note about Matt in this one was um, when he is considering slipping by the the bridge guards or the tower guards or whatever, he goes... um, he says he learned the talent to slip by, you know, watches of some kind because, um, quote, your mother always suspects you're up to mischief and, you've, and you have four sisters to tell on you. Mm. I like that from his point of view. He's like, your mom just always suspects that you're up to mischief as if it's like unfair <laughs> that she always <laughs> thinks that. But he is actually always up to mischief and he just won't admit it.
1: Yes. Slight correction. I do believe it's two sisters. He doesn't have is four it? sisters. Ooh, Callbacks. Now, now Jody's being pedantic,
0: but yes, let us consult the scripture. <laughs> <laughs> when your mother always suspected you were up, you were up to some mischief, and you had four sisters to tell on you. Oh shit! My apologies. Don't try and outpedant the pedants. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. No, but do, 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 this, do, 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 do this, was the, this
1: is the last time it'll happen. I promise. <laughs>
0: Um, okay, so anything else about Matt and how just absolutely fantastically great he is.
1: No, Matt is epic.
3: End of story. Where does all the food go? Like I mean, I've been <laughs> reading the volume of food that they're feeding him and he's he's basically has breakfast, then a snack after breakfast, the snack of four apples, a jug comes of up
0: juice and <laughs> in like, my chapter later I'll list out the stuff that he has as a Yeah. Snack immediately <laughs> after you, breakfast. You deal
3: with that because where yeah. does it go? Yeah. I need the mechanism of digestion. Yeah. And Yeah. It's magic. There you uh, go. Fair enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> magic. Got it. Yep. That's a Futurama reference for my Futurama fans out there. <laughs> um, okay. In that case, let's soldier on to chapter 25 called Questions. Take us
3: through that Vili. No, yes, I sure will. Right, we're back in the tower um, with the girls, Neneve, Elaine, and Egwene. And uh, they are in uh, one of the accepted rooms. And they are busy going through these notes now. Uh, it's all the information that Veron has given them on the sisters that had left, the black 13. Mm-hmm. And Neneve is pacing up and down. chit. Just Nynaeve's being naive, She's upset. Nynaeve got a naive, she has got a naive, And Iguane is kind of just lying down. She's knackered. They've been up since early in the morning. They've already had two meals behind them. That means a lot of potting and cleaning. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's just going through this. And eventually she's like, all right, here it comes. Naniv's gonna blurt it out, like every half hour, she's like, ah, "This is an utter waste of time. This is not not doing us any good." And this uh, just having a fat rant about this information and how little they're actually extracting out of it. But Elaine is; she's meticulous on it. She's going through it, and I mean, she's got some royal training behind her, and probably a little bit of an introduction to the game of houses and plotting, and all the rest. But prior to that. Um, Egwene is having a little bit of thought about her dreams and why she's so tired. She's exhausted because not only one, they're scrubbing pots at the break of dawn and into the evening, but her nights are also quite bad. She's not sleeping well. She's being kept up by nightmares and she goes through them and lists them out. The the first one was that uh, what she perceives to be just a nightmare uh, of what happened in the Tarangriel the night before. Um, because this is the very next night now after they all mm. been put a ring on their fingers and they are uh, accepted and uh with her waking up weeping now that that sounds like a a straight out tired nightmare now before you get into other dreams, did we
0: learn that dreamers can sometimes have prophetic dreams like their dreams are prophecy sometimes
3: yeah that's that's what's being a dreamer, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think Dreamer, Dreamwalker, I think Dreamwalker is an IELTA. I just, I wanted to just clarify that. I probably could have looked that up before the recording, but I mean, you can look at some of these things and they are 100% Mm.
3: prophecy. And that's what I've I've made little marks, like I graded them.
0: Yes, I just wanted to ask you guys, like, if, do, do we know at this point, does Anaya or anyone say anything about dreamers being able to predict the future? In Anaya
3: dreams? had said a little bit, and she and part of it was obviously that Egwene wanted to um, speak to her, but now she's got this cloak of trust. Is mm. she black? Is she not? So she doesn't yeah. want to go with the contents of her dreams, because is she aiding them or not is the yeah. conflict, I suppose, at the yeah. end of the day. But yeah, her first dream is straight up what I would assume is a nightmare. It was pretty harsh things. Um, mm-hmm. And despite not seeing her being shaken at that time, I think the after effects of it, after they all went to bed crying together and mm. Nainif cooing them to sleep. Yeah. Seems natural. The song, Sean Shan, uh, mm-hmm. who collared a bunch of ice to and forcing them to strike on the tower, that is prophetic. Ooh, yes. yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the white cloaks binding her father's hands. Prophetic. Does that happen? Because the White Cloaks do, do go to Demon's Field. To field. Yeah. Yep. So that's why I was also on the sort of prophetic side there. Mm-hmm. Rand dreams. Uh, she dreamt of Rand's dragon tattoos coming to his arms, mm-hmm. in short. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. 100% pr- prophetic there. Yep. Um, and Rand entering a dark cave on a mountain filled with the glare of red fire below. Is yep. that when he goes? Ho, ho, ho. Where's that? That, my friend, is Shail Ghoul.
0: All right, cool. I haven't read that, so... That's when he walks into the Pit of Doom.
3: Kick-ass. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, As you should. Then Rand fighting this Sean Shan uh, that we know will happen. Everyone's fine At the end of Book 8? Be... Book mm-hmm. I feel like Rand
0: uses Kalandor at the end of Book 8 to go and attack a large... Sean chan contingent and because of the flaw in kalandor that we have not read about yet he ends up also killing some of his own people
1: mm. yes that's coming well, back to me. dragon in his mat mm.
0: it's to the cover of, of eight. it's rand leading an army leading, yes with his sword pointing with him, kalandor yeah
3: yeah, yeah, yeah yeah all right um okay then we go to Perrin dreams uh Perrin with a falcon and a hawk mm-hmm. uh, on mm-hmm. his shoulders Both of them she thinks is female. Uh, The falcon Mm -hmm. is trying to wrap the lead around Perrin's neck while the hawk is holding the lead. So it's Fial and... Um, What's her name? Berylain. Berylain. Then there's Perrin with a beard, leading a huge pack of wolves, as far as the eye can see. Is that at the final battle? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I assumed as much. How many wolves were there? Many. Put a pin in that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> exact
1: numbers I can't give you
3: Right, um, all of Matt, them Matt placing his own eye in a, a balancing scale that we know mm-hmm. is very prophetic Yes, uh, Matt hanging by his neck from a tree limb mm-hmm. does that happens when he goes to the elfin? yeah when the, he comes out
0: when he comes back from them the first that's time how
1: they, that's how they find him
0: when they go through the doorway in Ruidian I think it is mm. or somewhere mm. is it in Ruidian or is it in um, Tier? they find a doorway
1: They also enter the tower through the, the, you know, through the big The Tower of Genji. The Tower of Genji, yeah. But that's later
0: when Matt goes back. That's when he sacrifices his eye. When he's hanging from the tree is the first time he goes and he asks for his memories to be returned. Okay. And when he wakes up or when Rand comes out, they've all gone in somehow. And when Rand comes out, he finds Matt hanging
3: from a tree. Yes. Um and he cuts him down. Was was that the payoff to getting something? They take something away that he was yes. something like that. Yeah, or
0: something I remember. And he had a um a scar on his neck. Yeah, so he wears that scarf forever mm. after that. Oh, that's right, yes. that's he had the scar. On his throat.
3: Yes. Mm. Hectic, bro. We've got Matt and the Sean Shan, um, that she dismissed as a nightmare, but <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> nope. And then Matt speaking in the old tongue, that's just common days. <laughs> common <laughs> that happened five and minutes something. ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so all of this is keeping her very tired and she's got no one really to speak about it. So there's no clarity. And uh, she thinks that, you know, it's um, now time to get onto these streams. In the meantime, while all this is going, uh, Elaine is still going through all the documents and Anif is still arguing with her. It's a waste of time. And she's pissed off because they can't pick anything. It's not like they got a letter said, uh, this girl is a dark one. That one is a black. It's kind of just like the names that get listed of who all these uh, sisters are. And I think there's only six that we know out of them that I've got names of. The, uh, all right, but basically 13 sisters, one from the Red Arja, mm-hmm. two from the Aja, Arja, and they are so scattered of their origins Age, mm-hmm. um, nationality, mm-hmm. the whole lot. There's nothing that ties them together. And um, and then Eve is continuously asking, like, what does this tell us? What does this tell us? This tells us nothing. Elaine's yes. like, no, no, this tells us everything. It tells us that they have so many that they can basically choose a pattern so that we are confused. Mm-hmm. That's like a beautiful little uh, bit there that she's obviously with a royal background. I thought that was genius. I yes. Mean, well done, Elaine. Mm, yeah. abs- and now we're privy to the information that basically, what is it? 30% yeah. of the tower is part of the Black Aja. Yeah. So. I
0: mean, Nynaeve is upset. She's going, oh, I wish. I-, I was hoping that Leandro took all of them with her. That's 13. There's another 190 odd. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and they keep checking on you, by the way, the yeah. whole yes. time.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: But yeah, that's basically the affirmation is that there is still so many of them in the tower. Like that this this is confirmed and that makes their life even so much harder that they can't in any way trust anyone. <clears throat> uh then they hopped onto the sort of the just the details around the missing Terangriels. Mm-hmm. Uh the fluted black rod is really the one that stands out. The others are yes. despite <laughs> their shape and properties and qualities that they're made of, nothing is known about them. As by Korean, whatever the name is, so, something <laughs> that I will mispronounce anyway. But the fluted black rod, which is a pace in length, and I'm going to take that as a literal pace.
1: Yes, of course. About.
3: Yep. Uh, that makes balefire. And yes, they still Note don't William. know what balefire is. Oh. They're relieved. They relieve
0: that. <laughs> oh, finally, we know what this one does. It does something called bale Fire but <laughs> what what is that? Really? makes
3: food, I don't know. Uh, except for the big ass caps. <laughs> one of the few you don't see caps, all caps often in the book. You don't. But danger. This is like watch out. Yeah. Yeah, so they they talked about the tarangriel and uh At that time, Egwene decides, okay, this is it. She pulls up her sleeves, all the far she can get it, sticks her hand up the chimney and pulls out a a sock or a stocking. And in there is the stone ring, shimmering Terangryl that she was given by Varen. And she makes a call like, we're going to find answers with this. This is a key. This is one of the other things that is continuously standing out. This woman that continuously had her name attached to all of these Terangryl, Mm. had removed the sterangrile from the list. Like This is something important. It's going to give us something. So she decides, this is it. Tonight we're doing this. I'm going to go to sleep with this on. You're going to babysit me. And Nanny obviously don't want to. She was like, no, maybe she should go. And I, I do like this. The two girls have just literally got that ring on. And they sort mm. of like now at the point where they, like if a, a engaged girl at a guy at a yeah. bar, flicking that ring so, <laughs> no, no 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 this is it, all of a sudden Naive has got people putting a sort of no we're on the same level now wisdom mm-hmm. so you're no longer the wisdom of Eamon's Field and we are all accepted yeah, yeah. and uh besides you can't channel when there's shit anyway unless you're angry yeah you can get angry <laughs> in a dream mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, giving it back to her they don't even know if they can channel in the dream. Yeah, this, like, all of this is a, a straight-up guess. Mm-hmm. So, they um, talk about, you know, this getting used, and they bring up okay, well, Varen might not have given any notice She's so absent-minded. And uh, Elaine then likens it to when she had to take uh, a coat out to Varen in one instance when they were in oh, the yeah. power. But she didn't mm-hmm. even realize she's sitting out in the rain. It's like, pouring rain, or she is so into it, it's like she's, she's playing everyone. But I think the girls are already seeing like, there's so much more in Veron There's something yeah. else. Like she's, she's turned on. She, she knows yeah. what's happening. After all of that has been sort of wrapped up, they decided on that. Gwen becomes aware that there's a novice standing in the room. Oh, it's yeah. Not even a knock at the door. It's like, there we go. Elsie mm-hmm. Grinwell is in the room. Mm-hmm. And they're like, now she's got a message from them from Swan um saying that the belongings of the 13 sisters are underneath the library in the third storeroom to the right or something. Mm-hmm. And they got to go and check it out. And then bolts out the door and runs. Both Igraine and Nynaeve had the same thought at the same time. Like, Swan can't trust anyone, but she'll send this novice. Mm. Mm. Specifically... This novice. This novice. Yeah. Like we, we all know she, it's like she's as untrustworthy as anything. Not untrustworthy, just not... Well, yeah. pretty much untrustworthy. Oh, yeah. I guess we can say that. Can't entrust her with a secret. No. They're worried that she'll blab. Mm. So, d- immediately, Nanif bolts for the door to try and close her in, to sort of like, but she's already out. And Egwene is running so fast that she slides on the tiles. Like, mm. it's not jogging after her. Sort of heads around the corner and runs into um, dun for a second. One of the many wandering the halls of the White Tower. One of the many. We have. just out for a stroll. It's a Lanfear. There we go. No introduction. Just um, the way that she felt like a little girl, completely taken by this. And the first thing she says to her is like. Mm. it's a of view to be roaming these hallways where murder has been done. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's so taken by this firstly this woman that looks like she's got more power than all three of them together and mm. already goes off on a tangent like this is unfair. How can a woman be so beautiful mm. and have so much power? Like, mm-hmm. Not even an idea who it is. And turns to Naniv and then turns and she's gone. So Elsie's gone. Elsie, who anyways, became there, then. Then they just disappeared her mm. little magic illusion tricks over there. And that brings us kind of to the end of that chapter. Do we as the readers know at this point that Elsie has
0: already been put out of the, out of the tower? Or is it, am I just remembering yeah. us talking about it? No, it's in
1: the coming chapters.
3: I think we spoke about it. But I don't think the reader knows at this point in time. Because it only comes in the next chapter or two. Or the last chapter, I think, of the...
0: Yeah, it's in one of my chapters. Swan mm. tells ninety yeah. that
3: she's been out of the tower for ten days already. But I, yes.
0: I was just trying to figure out, like, were we because we were talking about it. We've mm. mentioned, you know, Lanfear posing as Elsie before, um, and I remember us talking about Elsie being put out of the tower because she was always ogling the waters in the water mm. yard. Yeah, um, I just wanted to know if, like, the reader should be catching on here at the sight of Elsie, thinking, "Wait a minute, she shouldn't be here." But um, I don't think so. Because I actually, I went back just like, I thought maybe Theodrin or um, Fowlane had sort of mentioned it in passing or something when they got back with Varen originally. And I went and I read that section. It wasn't mentioned. No. So I think you're right, Joe. I think um, mm. the reader doesn't know. They only find out when Swan tells Nynaeve.
1: Now, there's this feeling that... Egwene has yeah, that she feels so little in front of her, it's
0: so profound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, is this just because mm-hmm.
1: uh, I mean, is that no. fear compelling her using some sort of weave to make her feel like that?
0: My very last note of this chapter:
3: mini compulsion? Question Something. mark? But compulsion or yeah, not like some weave. She doesn't feel compulsed to do anything. No, she no, just, but I mean like she just feels so inferior.
0: But why? Yes. But what Jody's getting at is not compulsion. The weave with a capital C is 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 Lanfear actively channeling or doing something to make Egwene feel that way instantaneously. Yeah, Egwene, who is so stubborn
3: and so sure of herself. And
0: yeah.
1: But also, I mean, if she were channeling, Egwene would see the glow of Sidar around mm.
3: her. Yeah, but she can yes. ch- uh, channel the true. She can channel the true, power. true power.
1: Is she though? Is that confirmed? Because not everyone can. It's only. Moridan mm. that's given that privilege not all the forsaken get the true power
3: look I know a lot of girls and I know how e- I don't know this I know that some woman may become very insecure of the, in the presence of someone that's really attractive mm. but not Egwene it seems out of character for Egwene
0: Look, yeah. the only reason my mind immediately went there is because we were sort of playing with the idea of what effect Celine was having on Rand and Huron and even Loyal when they were traveling together. Right? Like mm. We yeah. threw the compulsion word around a lot and we kept saying, like, this is not compulsion,
3: compulsion. But that's for them to do something that she wants them to do at that point in time. Well, she wants she her wants going to leave. Oh, okay, fair enough. That That tracks, I suppose. Make her feel just insecure to the point of wanting to get away from her.
0: Or to just listen to her, like, you know, if she feels so insecure, she can just say anything and she might do it. Also, we know that the Crystal Throne is a Tarangryl that has a mm. similar effect. It makes people feel small and cowed and that sort of thing. So Lanfear could be her silver belt that they keep mentioning mm. could be a Tarangryl Aye. that does something. That
1: Whoa. <laughs>
0: who knows but i also Jodie, i think the point you're trying to make is that it's very uncharacteristic for Egwene to feel that way and the way that she snaps out of it again mm. like it's almost as soon as landfear is gone she's like hang on wait no i'm not a little girl with a runny nose you know like yeah and, and she turns mm. around to go back and then yes and she's gone
1: yeah yeah so that was very weird for me i'm i'm um, dude the silver belt to ungreal thing now is blowing my mind but okay <laughs> again
3: if if it's a turungreal <laughs> She has Mm -hmm. to chattel. uh, Not all of them need channeling. No, some Tarang will just work without channeling. People without the one power can use some Tarang. Maybe Lampia makes potions and sprays. Like, Hmm. like I mean, she was the creator of a whole lot of stuff and she did experiments through the smart, smart lady. So maybe she blows some dust in someone's face, then all of a sudden (laughs) they're bedazzled.
0: Lanfia again has a visible reaction to being called Aes Sedai. I just <laughs> yeah. love it. Every time someone calls her Aes Sedai, she's like, ah, it! I'm not an Aes Sedai. Uh, but I'm so disappointed in Egwene for not checking her finger. She's not wearing a serpent ring. And Egwene assumes that she's an Aes Sedai, but she doesn't do the cursory glance at her hand.
1: Yeah, but look how befuddled her mind was. Like she mm. was being mm. compelled or she was being something was affecting her normal brain. Another functions. reason yeah. to think that way,
0: yeah. I think this is the first time that we read about Nynaeve smiling. <laughs> when Egwene pipes up on the bed and she and Nynaeve have, to have sort of like a to and fro, Nynaeve actually smiles. And then it happens again in a later chapter. Hmm. Nynaeve is feeling quite uh, jovial
3: considering the task at hand. <laughs> mm, she's, she smiled at, ray, uh, at the land quite a couple of times, I reckon. <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe not
0: on I page, think. behind the scenes. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> At night before going to bed. Yes. Uh, she also dances with Rand in an inn, doesn't she? In one of the taverns earlier. Mm. Rand dances with Nynaeve and with Moraine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in like Baylon or something. Surely she smiled then. Surely. surely. Nynaeve, Sh- come on. Surely. You're not come made on. of stone. I went and I looked for online descriptions of all those Terangril and what their actual uses are. The Rod of Clear Crystal, still unknown considered to be sleep related because of the korean and link mm-hmm. um, the same of the figurine of an unclothed woman in alabaster still unknown considered to be sleep related then there's a metal disc with fine spirals which mm. is definitely a, a sleep weaver yes. a waking channeler can channel into it and immediately fall asleep and enter Tel using cool it. so it's even more powerful than the um the ring that Egwene mm. has because with Eguanes you have to go to sleep just touching it with this thing you can just channel into it
3: and immediately you're asleep
2: hmm.
3: so that's the game to get into mm-hmm. the world of dreams I mean yes. all signs point that way mm.
0: I like the fact that they are super suspicious of everyone now Alana is a suspect of being Black Archer because of her strange request so mm-hmm. Egwene has taken note of it um, Varen is a subject for not mentioning that the stolen ungreel were all studied by Korean. So the girls have made the signposted link, you know, like duh. But they also straight up say Varen has just left out too much to be trusted. So yeah. in, they're already mistrustful of Varen, which I said in my notes
3: good instincts. Yes, Nanive's got some killer instincts most of the time, she does. All right, then, chapter 26 is called
0: Behind a Lock. Um, Egwene walks back to the doors that she had dismissed previously, looking for this woman that has disappeared. She checks them and and she finds that they are empty, Uh, just a couple of mouse tracks, as she had expected. Uh, And at that point, when she's sticking her head out of one of the doors again, Nynaeve and Elaine come walking down the corridor. Elaine jokes that she would have chased as well if she thought that Egwene couldn't chase down Elsie Grinwell but Egwene explains that it isn't actually Elsie that has disappeared completely that she's looking for, but uh, the woman that took her place, the woman that she had found instead and that she's completely vanished without a trace and there's no way that she could physically have made it out of there. Immediately Nynaeve and Elaine are concerned. Elaine says, was it one of the solace? Uh, but Egg sets them straight and she says, no no this is this is a woman this was a powerful Aes or, or something along those lines you know she tries to convey the the gravitas of this, <laughs> this personality that she that she ran into I took a note here saying again that I'm disappointed in Egwene for not checking for the ring but I guess she was under some kind of effect even if it Must is be. a natural effect of just complete and utter awe which is hard to believe from from Egwene but there we go.
1: I mean, there was a description about gray men. You know, you wouldn't be able to point them out in a group of three, but you could yeah. pull, you could point this woman out in a group of a thousand. Like a thousand, she'll stand. She says. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Not a gray man. No, no. no. <laughs> so I mean, apart from being worried, there's not much they can do about it. So they set off now for the library um to go find this room that Elsie had told them about, or who they think was Elsie. Oh. Did you guys realize that the Tower library is completely separate from the tower? Nope. Nope. It's a freestanding building. Because I read, I, I sort of picked that up from the text here, and then I went to go read about the, the great library at Tavalon, and it is separate from the tower proper, um, which means that the brown archer quarters are not actually in the white tower. They're above the library in its own building. After the tower itself, it's the biggest building on the tower grounds. Hmm. Huh. Maybe that's why it's never cleaned. Oh, probably part of the reason.
2: Yeah.
0: So um, along the way, Egwene is thinking of how there was something wrong about the woman that she encountered. And um, she chastises herself for seeing the Black Archer under her bed. <laughs> Wake up and smell the coffee, Egwene. It's worse than that. It's, yeah, It's not the Black Archer. That's one of the... Mm-hmm. I almost said the Chosen. Am I turning? It's you one are. of the Forsaken. <laughs> um, so when they finally get to the library, which, like I said, stands separate from the White Tower they see a number of external doors that aren't the main entry. So a bunch of like, you know, farmhouse sized doors that are just the external entries for the workers because apparently the Browns would get angry if all workers were just trudging mud through the library proper. Um, so there's all these doors, these external doors that um, they can, that they actually can get into and Nineveh walks straight up to one of them and opens one up and inside it's pitch pitch black right but there's a very very steep staircase leading down from this door so down straight into the uh the foundations and the the subterranean levels of this library building um so as they come inside and obviously it's very very dark Egwene channels a small ball of light to hover above her hand Uh, and when Elaine sees her do it she immediately copies her and does it again so like we we know this obviously already, but I think this might be one of the first times that we see Elaine like actively look at something Egwene does and then just straight up copy it. Jody's right. What, what are you going <laughs> to Jody, say?
1: Jody's shaking his head. No, she knows how to make the ball of light. It's later when Egwene hangs the ball of light on the wall and leaves it freestanding. Oh, yes, yes, that yes, is yes. when this happens. Yes.
3: yes, you should have left him, Jody. We could have we could have pulled him up on that next week.
1: Yeah, he's just going to edit this out now. <laughs>
3: I have a note
0: about the circular way in which they learn from each other. Because Egwene does it by feel, yes. Elaine does it by seeing, and then Egwene can repeat it by learning from Elaine again.
1: Yes, it's it's very cool, very
0: weird, but very
1: cool. Yeah.
0: So Elaine just notes about how wonderful it feels, uh, but Egwene again cautions her, saying, "You know, you know, don't get sucked in by it. Don't be don't be drawn in." And my note mm. for that is, "That's so rich." <laughs> Gwen, you are constantly tempted by the power so they head deeper down this flight of stairs from the door down to a dusty corridor with doors all along the walls um then they walk down this corridor for about 100 paces and that underground corridor joins this underground hallway that runs down the center of the library at the bottom that has much larger doors some of those doors look like they could fit on a barn and stuff so there's some big things that they keep here under the library that necessitate larger rooms like that mm-hmm. So this main hallway, is uh, it's got a higher ceiling and it's got the bigger doors. And at the end of this main hallway, there's a a large flight of stairs leading down into it. And then immediately next to it, there's a smaller flight of stairs leading further down to a next level down. And they head down straight down that and it actually meets up with another hallway beneath that one. That is the exact uh, copy of the, the Great Hallway above it, but with lower ceilings. And here the doors are much smaller, so they walk straight up to the door that Elsie directed them to, which I think you said Villy was the third door on the right or something. But mo- as they're moving through the darkness, e- Egwene starts getting um, a little bit nervous. And she can feel a lightning bolt or the potential for a lightning bolt starting to form, which is obviously something that she learned from the Sean Chan. Yeah, And this is happening while she's holding her little white light. And she notes to herself that she's never tried channeling two flows at once but it it didn't seem difficult to her at all. (laughs) No. (laughs) Which we know is actually quite a challenging feat for other Aes Sedai. Mm -hmm. And Egwene is already like, "Hmm, yeah, no, I think I could do this. I could do it by accident without even trying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I can accidentally summon lightning in this small confined space. (laughs) Jody almost did a spit take of his beer there. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say shit like that while I'm drinking. (laughs) So anyway, they get to this nondescript door, and it's exactly like all the other doors, except it seems to have what looks like a new chain and a new lock hanging from it. And they are completely exasperated by this. Like, oh god damn it! None of the other doors have locks, and is getting worked up. Um, and I think. Is it Elaine or Egwene tries to calm Nynaeve down and said, "No, no, don't, don't, don't get upset." She's like, "No, I am trying to get upset because I want to channel." Yeah. And while this is going on, Egwene sort of tunes Nynaeve out, and she's looking at this at this lock, and um, she starts feeling like she can actually sense something about the chain and the lock and her affinity with metal that we already know exists Mm. starts to come to the forefront. And as she's about to, like she says, I think the, the power is sort of vibrating at the same frequency as the constituent parts of this metallic chain or something like that. But, before she can do anything substantial, Nynaeve's like, get out of the way, Gwen. And she turns around and Nynaeve is standing there surrounded by the glow and she's holding a crowbar, like a pry bar (laughs) that she's conjured. So just stuck in her like (laughs) earthly ways. Yeah, exactly. And then like Nynaeve looks at the crowbar and she looks at the lock again and she mumbles something to herself and the crowbar like doubles in length. She murmurs something about leverage. She walks over and she jams it in there and she gives it a mighty heave to like pull this chain and it just, basically crumbles to dust and she goes sprawling on the floor and the crowbar that she's someone falls on the ground and it disappears and Egwene says, I think I did something to the chain. And Mm. was like, well you could have said something, you know, still all gruff and worked up from (laughs) the whole little thing. This is the first time we
1: see old uh, Egwene start messing with chains. A little bit of foreshadowing there. Mm. Mm.
3: Loves a chain. So, Just right there at that moment then, is this Mm -hmm. not part of a training that she had with uh, the Shonchant? in finding ore and sort of getting into the molecules of material. She
0: didn't have training in it, but they found out that she has a talent for or an affinity for metal, which is Mm. traditionally an earth weave, Mm. which is not something many women are strong in. Mm. So Egwene has this thing that no one has been able to really teach her because not a lot of people have it. So, yes, we know she has an affinity from her Sean Chan days, Mm. but I don't think – because she's sort of feeling her way through this, like, oh, this chain seems interesting. I think I can feel something here. She's not recalling a lesson or anything. Mm. She's stumbling her way into how to actually alter the state of a metal. She she broke the
3: nucleic bonds of the atoms, and they all just became particles in air into dust. Something like
1: that. She has practice. Because when she was with the Sean they took her when they found out she had this affinity, they took her to mines around Falmé to go and delve into the rock and feel for the metals. They made her practice mm. it. Maybe they didn't give her specific yeah. lessons, but she has this. She has some uh, practice of delving and finding these mineral particles, which she yeah. I should definitely the remember that. I mean, they gave her oh, yeah. a
3: treat mm. for that. They gave her a piece of the rock to look at in her room. Yes. Oh wow! Yeah, how benevolent
0: of them. Mm. Mm-hmm. So they've opened the door. And they enter the room and it's just dark and dusty with, um, you know, not much to see clearly. And this is where Egwene then walks over to the wall and she just sort of intuits how to attach her little light to the side of the wall. Mm. Um, And that's where Elaine sees Egwene do it. And then she sort of copies her and she walks over and she does it again. And Egwene is like, oh, okay, cool. I can actually see Elaine do it and learn it properly without just feeling it. So there's this little cyclical loop of how they learn from each other. And Egwene is quite confronted by it. It's like, Elaine's learning from me, but I'm learning from her. Yeah. This is weird. Um, but, I mean, it's super useful. <laughs>
1: yeah. <Right. laughs> you know? it's, the,
3: it's the result that matters at the end of the day in that. Absolutely.
0: <laughs>
1: This is a trend with these eamon filled channelers. Uh, Rand as well. Like later on, when he's hanging out with the Asherman, he'll just do stuff. And and Logain actually confronts him later on, saying like, "What were you keeping those weaves all for yourself?" And he was like, "Dude, I literally just did it by instinct right now. I had no yeah. idea." And then he will, then Logain will do it, and Rand will watch Logain do it, and be like, "Ah, okay, that's sounds it's done.
0: Yeah, but yeah. Rand has a cheat. Yes, well, of course, but <laughs> he has an Age of Legends Sedai in his head. Yes, so. Now that they're in this room, they got their lights affixed to the wall, they can see that in the middle of the room there's basically just a big pile of bags. And when they look at the bags, each one seems to have a tag on it. And each tag has one of the names of the the sisters of the black Aja that disappeared with Leandrin. Um they start rifling through the bag. I mean, they just unceremoniously just dumping the stuff out, right? Like I thought about yeah. it, like, okay, cool. This is almost handled like a crime scene, but nope, nope, just nope. open the bags, <laughs> dumping the stuff out. And they find odds and ends, a shoe, a sock, like weird shit, and then in almost I think they say actually in every single bag, there is at least one little thing pointing to tier. There's the schedule of ships or like a ship's manifest, a ship that's scheduled to leave for tier the next morning mm. or the morning after the, the isotide disappeared. There's uh a, like, what is a one of those tourist books like let's do let's do Thailand, let's do Tier. <laughs> like one yeah. it's like titled something like Things to Go See and Do While in Tier. Like, you know, it's just like this again ridiculously obvious uh, yeah. trail of breadcrumbs and the girls after going through all this stuff they they note that they're like yeah. this is so obvious like either they just didn't care like they were so cocksure about what they were doing they didn't care that anyone knows they're going to tear mm. or they want to make it so obvious that someone should think that they're going to tear because they're not going to tear Or they are actually going to tear and they want to lure someone there and set a trap for them so that, you know, whoever tries to follow them is um, dealt with. So, I mean, they have so little to go on. I mean, they've they've given this, you know, what looks to be a wealth of clues, but they have so little to use for the motivation why these clues would even be there for them to find. Hmm. So they're sort of like umming and eyeing about it a bit, like they can't make up anything. And then they realize, okay, look we're going to have to get back soon because we have a shit ton of pots and things to scrub as part of our punishment. <laughs> so yeah. Nanif, she shoves a couple things in a bag. And to me, it sounded like a hodgepodge of things that she stuffs in a shirt and wraps up. But I would have thought she took the things that maybe specifically pointed to Tia. Um, she took that book because she wanted to give it to the
1: Brownaja because they would mm, want yeah.
3: observations on a visit to Tia. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Let's do tier. Let's do it Open in the forums. It's like a, to a top bus.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Red bus tour. So yeah. So they stuff a couple things in a shirt that Nani is going to go hide in her room, and they they head off. And that is the end of the chapter. There's a lot of
1: um, clues in these bags, like a, a cloak that is almost good enough for rags. There's very specific stuff, which comes up later in the chapter. I think we'll just leave it for then then in the next two chapters or something mm-hmm. where this all comes to, to fruition. But we'll leave it for then, I suppose. But a lot of little obvious bullshit in these bags.
3: Mm. I'm uh, yeah. I'm pissed off with this chapter, to be honest. Like seriously. I hear it. This is the three girls that got themselves caught by the strong listening and just going headfirst into everything. And Mm -hmm. they just get this little whisper by, okay, she just disappeared. So it it cannot be (laughs) Elsie. It was magically a different woman. So what we should do is listen to her and run straight into a dungeon and break (laughs) into a small door that's got a massive chain on. Because this is just, this seems fucking on track. Like, like when...
0: When they down in the bowels of the tower to go see like uh, Matt get healed and stuff, they're sort of like jumping at shadows, going, "Oh, yeah, could be exactly. led into a trap."
3: What if she's walking Black Archer... to Die and there's twelve other sisters. It's and,
0: and from what I remember, there are multiple confrontations in these like dusty storerooms in the in the dungeons of the tower and the library and stuff. Like later, when other you know sisters in the tower are tasked with like interviewing individual suspects that they're trying to figure out, are you? It's all done in these rooms, so there's like a lot of you know, nasty business being conducted down here, and you're right, Vili, really, in this instance they just bowl straight in there, like there's no consideration for the answer. Yeah, sorry,
3: that's just, that's just, you didn't learn your lesson the last time, they should have put a collar around all three of their necks, and kept them two weeks longer, because <laughs> oh, maybe man, then they, they would have learned.
0: They are impulsive. It's that horror film oh, trope, Okay. Okay, you
3: know? well, maybe mm. you just said that, impulsive there. Maybe that's part of Lanfear's ploy there, to spread her poison to make them rush to it, like not yeah. think clearly well, that does
1: come up in another chapter. I don't know whether we should discuss it right now or just wait for the chapter.
0: look, there's not a lot to, else to discuss in this chapter, so yeah. let's let's quickly let's just build I mean, on it. let's just it's go on for it. later We'll confirm some of the things that we are going to discuss here right? mm. so yeah. what do you think has happened here?
3: Uh, I'm honestly, I'm lost I'm, I'm lost by the me- the reason for those bundles and the reason mm-hmm. to throw them on. Because either which way, everything is pointing at Tia in this book. I mean, even the cover yeah. is pointing at Tia. So it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We know
0: that's where we're going. What Jody and I are alluding to about the later chapter is Swan straight up saying that the stuff that the Black Archer members left behind was burnt.
3: Yeah, yeah. everything was burnt. Everything was scrapped. Like, those little bundles were made by who? Is this Lanfear's
0: little orchestration of uh manipulation you know it like must did Lanfear set up this room with these obvious signs pointed to tear but why is she is she trying to fuck with a black archer?
1: i don't like, know is she that subversive she's got her own plans she's got her own schemes because later on in my chapter that comes up next when she's talking to iguene mm. um mm. She does mention that every like Ishmael's a fool because he thinks no one else is having their own little subplots and stuff. So she, mm-hmm, she has mm-hmm. her own plot. So this is definitely her doing. She even says to mm-hmm. Wayne, like, oh, you made it eventually. You know, like, oh, here you are in the yeah. stone of Tia. You know? So she's yeah. pointing them to, to Tia. What for? I suppose we'll find out later.
3: That's getting to the mind of Lanphia. What is her number one goal? She wants Rand. She wants to have power with Rand. And Rand's going to have mm-hmm. power if he has Yep. Mm-hmm. So... What benefit does she gain in getting them at Tia at the same time? It's definitely it doesn't seem to be in the, like she's in the Black Archer plan there. That just seems like a rogue. Maybe she's mm. fucking bored. Thousands of years <laughs> doing nothing and fucking all on her own with Grolm I mean, in, in the dream maybe. world. Maybe she's just so bored and now she's in the tower. She's like, how can I fuck with their plans better than Chase just messing with them? Maybe, listen.
2: Okay, maybe
1: okay. she knows the, okay, the black. Here we, go. Uh, here we go. The black Aja are going to to Tear to stop Rand from getting Kalando. Obviously, mm-hmm. in my mind, okay, she wants mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rand's friends to go down there and back him up so that he does
3: get Kalando,
2: mm, because she
3: wants okay. him to have Kalando so that of the course. two of them can rule everything. Mm. And exactly. with Kalando in his hand, he can flatten the world. Exactly. Okay. okay. So that that yeah that that actually.
0: What can I put what you're putting down. Mm. <laughs> she's she's helping foil the Black Arger as long as the Black Arger are trying to fuck with Rand.
1: Yeah, because her plan is Rand and me, not whatever the fuck Ishma- Ishmael mm. and the Black Arger are up to. Their plans are irrelevant.
3: But should the Black Arger not be trying to push Rand towards the Dark One?
1: Yeah, but if he's got Kalandor, then that's going to be... A...
0: Infinitely harder. Yeah, mm. it's going to yeah. make
1: things harder for them.
0: Hmm. Okay, Joe, I mean, that will certainly... I mean, I, it was a big head-scratcher for me right now as well, Vili. Like, I, I mm-hmm. didn't understand what the point of all this was. But, I mean, that fits. So if any of our listeners have a better <laughs> idea, if it's right. ever revealed later, please put us out of our misery. Yeah. Make, please, please. make <laughs> us do some callbacks. <laughs> <laughs> please. <laughs> this is one of our s- pretty straightforward chapters, right? They go, they find the stuff, they go back, mm. ready to scrub pots. So let's, let's move along. Let's not dilly-dally. All right. I agree. So, chapter twenty-seven is called "Ooh, this is a biggie." Tell Arundriod, mm. Joseph, enlighten us.
1: So, yes, we join the Egwene, uh, and Nynaeve and Elaine. They're all in Egwene's room that night after completing their spot uh, spot scrubbing. I was going to say, <laughs> spot, what is it called, <laughs> scrubbing? <Spot> <laughs> <laughs> I've said it so much now. Pot scrubbing? <laughs> Jesus, I couldn't say it. I literally could not say it. Pot scrubbing. Okay, there you go. <laughs> what
3: beer are you drinking, Bejo?
1: Huh? <laughs> I don't know. It's some Madrid beer that I'm not used to. Okay. let's get some water. Um, so they've completed <laughs> their pot scrubbing for the day. And um, while they were in the, in the kitchens, they were visited by several Aes during that period. Varen came. Alana came. Elida Sheriam and Anaya. Most of them were just there to stare at them sternly. Uh, Veren came and was all absent-minded. I think she was. She's t- she's pulling a total grandmaster. Pycelle, I'm stupider oh, than yeah. I look. Move here. Speaking out loud. Have you found anything? Like what in the spots we're scrubbing? What you know? What's the point mm. here? And yeah, so being very loud and obvious in the kitchens. Don't know what the motive is behind that. But the other Aes Sedai just came and stared at them. And they were like, well, there's no reason for Sheriam to be coming in here and looking at accepted. She's master, mistress of novices. So that's Mm. a bit weird. Elida, maybe because she wants to keep an eye on Elaine as the daughter heir. Like there's some reasons. Um, Mm. Alana. You forgot to say, ugh. Ugh, sorry. (laughs) Elida, ugh. Elida, ugh. And uh, well, maybe Alana is there because she's still trying to, you know, ingratiate herself with Egwene. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Anaya. Anyone? Anyone want to take this?
0: She's a blue, nope. right? She's a blue. Um, and she she's, wanted a snack. Just, well, she's... <laughs> <laughs> she, she was there for some tarts. She seems she seems super uh, invested in figuring out whether Egwene is a dreamer or not. Okay. She seems very interested in dreamers. Remember, Anaya was also the one that healed Varen after she yes. came out of Tel Arunriad? Mm-hmm. Could be because she's also like anything dream related. Anaya seems to be at least, you know... Superficially That's interested her in a field of study, yeah. probably. Mm.
1: She's a blue, so she came to watch Egwene scrub pots and not say anything to her. Maybe come in and check up, check up on her. I don't just know. checking up. Okay. Isn't they right.
3: saying somewhere earlier that the uh, pot scrubbing builds character and yes, lets you mm-hmm. reflect on everything? So maybe they expect there's a little bit of wisdom that comes into them while they're busy scrubbing away.
1: Well, I tell you, I think a lot of cool shit while I'm washing dishes. So this could be another thing, you know, epiphanies. Sam? Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. Yeah. Except Billy, he doesn't do dishes.
0: I had an epiphany last night while I was um, on my hands and knees with a dustpan. <laughs> I have to take these pizza boxes and
3: put them in the bin. Dishes done. <laughs> uh, all right.
1: All right. B- back on the main road. Let's go. Uh, off mm-hmm. these little tangents. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've cleared the shoulder.
0: We're in the reeds yet.
1: <laughs> So they're all getting ready to uh, to use that town grill now for the first time, I think, uh, that Vering gave them, of course, the twisted ring. Of course, mm-hmm. like Vili mentioned, there's some discussion of who's going to do it and how they're going to do it. Maybe two of them should use it together. And, and you know, um, Nynaeve is like, no, I should do it because I'm in charge. And they're like, you know, wagging that little ring finger like, no, 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 no. But in the end, of course, it's great. She's the dreamer. She got the ring. It's, it's her duty. Nynaeve and Elaine will watch over her because obviously this is the least safe place to be in the whole world at the moment, except maybe Shia'il Ghul. Uh, Mm -hmm. Grey men and black Aja everywhere. One or at least two forsaken in the tower. You know, you need to be watching something. Mm. Uh, Watching over her. Since you've put it that way, (laughs) I think they wish they were back in the blight. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) let's let's go back to the blight. At least we know (laughs) we're surrounded by danger and where that danger is and who it is. Yeah, it's just up in the air. So anyway. They go to bed, well, Egwene I- 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 goes to sleep with the ring and enters Talaunriod. She's standing among rolling hills, wildflowers, trees, like a perfect little paradise scene. And she's thinking, oh, this doesn't look too dangerous. But obviously she remembers Varen's warning and she takes it seriously like, no, this is this is a dangerous place. Be aware, remo- no matter how it looks. She opens herself up to Sidar just to see if she can channel here. And yep, she can. She even fucks with some butterflies uh, with little Mm. flows of air. Made me wonder, when she assumes, assumes the void, when she embraces (laughs) Saida in Talanriod, does a glow appear around her body in the bed? Because the other two don't mention it. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know, just a little side thought. Callback. Oh God, sorry. (laughs) So many
2: callbacks.
1: (laughs) Anyway, just a thought. So she takes one step in the, in the world of dreams and suddenly she's in a hallway in an inn. So traveling over here seems pretty easy for now. She, she knows she's in an inn because she's the innkeeper's daughter. She knows the inn when she sees it. And she's walking down the hallway and she opens a door to one of the rooms. And she sees a shaggy-haired youth who turns out to be Perrin. Now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Perrin has chained himself to a pillar and he looks like he's dozing off and sleeping, but she notices that his muscles are straining as he holds on to the chains that he's got around himself. And on the floor is a massive dog, which she mistakes uh, you know, for a dog, which is actually Hopper, uh, guarding him. And when Hopper notices her, he gets up and starts growling and wants to attack her. Hopper doesn't know who the fuck she is, like friend or foe. Mm. He's protecting Perrin. So right before she gets eaten by a wolf, um, she screams and wakes Perrin up. And Perrin screams to her, like, Egwene, no, and, and hop it up. And the door closes, and she finds herself surrounded by darkness again. Question What? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> huh? I was, I,
3: <laughs> when, as soon as I got to the wolf bit there, I was like, okay, cool, this makes sense. That's Hopper guarding Perrin in his dream. Mm. But why is he chained? Chaining himself.
0: Yes. What? What is that doing? Dunno. Oh Moritz, god damn it. Three of us we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that because Perrin is so reluctant to embrace his wolfishness and the wolf dream uh, in general, he's sort of trying to stop himself from experiencing this weirdness. He's trying to just like, okay, I'm dreaming but I'm just going to stay here and I'm not going to let anything sort of move me from this spot. I I just want a normal night's sleep for a change or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. That's what I was thinking.
3: That makes sense. If you're a wolf brother Mm. and you go into the world of dreams, it's just like that's your sleep time. Sleep time, you go there. I don't
0: know if you always go to the wolf dream, but... um, it certainly seems like you can just go there all
3: the time. You don't read about parents' dreams that are not the wolf dream. So maybe he's, he's bolting himself to the room so that he doesn't shift from one place to the other place and see this guy's plans mm-hmm. plotting and yeah. sort of tra- dream, traveling around he's the show. To just to
0: have a normal... I mean, he's busy sleeping, right? Yeah, so yeah. even
3: in the wolf dream, he's also
0: sort of dozing. dozing yeah, I want to sleep. I'm just tired. Like, so he just wants to have a fucking normal night's sleep, guys. Please, for the <laughs> Christ's sake. <laughs> Totally, that makes perfect sense, Moritz.
1: All right, now now I get that.
3: Sometimes the simplest answer is the right one.
1: <laughs> yeah, he just wants to just wants to rest, please. Yeah, because I mean, the last time he was going through hallways and then he meets some strange lord who has his skin ripped off him and he gets splattered in blood, like he doesn't want that. <laughs> just let me sleep for one night. Just leave our beefy boy alone. All right. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Beefy boy needs a sleep. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> beefy boy is a sleepy boy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. Oh yes, Egwene She's surrounded by darkness. All right, ah, yes. she doesn't know she doesn't know where she is, but she hears crickets and insects and toads. And then her eyes adjust to the light, and she realizes she's in the woods at night time. She sees the stars mm-hmm. and the slither of the moon, and then she sees a campfire, you know, glowing in the woods. So she walks towards it, and she finds Rand. So Rand is obviously still on his little mission of being chased by dark hounds. Clearly, Mm -hmm. you two. I don't know why you ever (laughs) doubted that. But he's over there and she's like, hey, Rand, it's me, buddy, old pal. And he's like, no, no, no. Don't try and pull this shit on me. He obviously thinks that this is Ishamael sending another vision to him to trick him into doing something. He knows it's a dream and he thinks he's being tricked. Uh, Apparently, we learn in this part that He sent visions. Well, Ishmael sent visions of his mother, Mm -hmm. who gave him some food that was laced with poison. His father that wanted to stab him to death. So he's super, (laughs) but he's pissed off that he eventually sent someone with Egwene's face, and Egwene's trying Mm -hmm. to convince him that listen, it's it's not a dream. I'm not part of something, you know, some plan or whatever. Mm -hmm. But of course, he doesn't believe it because listen, he's going insane. He hasn't slept. She even notices in the dream that he looks exhausted. He's been on the run. Mm uh for i don't know how long it's been now do we have any idea days weeks this could all be happening at the same time in different parts of the uh, different parts of the story so Mm. we'll find out soon enough anyway Mm -hmm. this is also he he whips out in defense his sword made of flame is this the first time we see that sword because that
0: plays a prominent role
1: Mm, his heron
0: marked flame sword what I noted this time about that flame sword is I've always pictured, you know, your classic flaming sword, you know, yeah. like just a, a, a hot sort of like middle with just flames coming all over it. But the description mm. here is that the blade is a single flame. Yes. Which conjures a much different image of like a static mm. blade, almost like a... Lightsaber. I don't want to use the word. No, I don't want to say <laughs> lightsaber. <but laughs> say laser sword. A laser saber <laughs> instead of it being like a bar, like a, a flat blade that's, mm. um, but it just in my mind now suddenly it just looks a lot cooler, yeah, you know, like mm. one long, sinuous flame as its blade. And Does the flame also have a heron mark on it? Yes, yes. there's heron, you yes.
3: can actually see the heron mark in it, so it's like the, Beautiful. the ghost of Tam's sword. It's the best, disp-
1: yeah, but anyway, he comes at her like she's afraid now and she's like, Listen, being mm. her stubborn, ingrained self you will listen to me, sit down and shut up. So she wraps him in weaves of air and he spins the sword in his hand and cuts her weaves. And this is another first time we see mm-hmm. that maneuver being pulled. Somebody channeling at you with weaves and you being able to cut those weaves that recoil mm-hmm. on the channeler themselves and like push mm-hmm. her back. So yeah, another another first. There's a lot of, and he, he even mentions, I learn fast, you know, like he's...
0: We haven't seen weaves, but we saw those cords in the eye of the world get mm. cut and yes. also have a similar effect, like a rubber band that's been I let know. go.
1: So, yeah. But, I mean, we see this later mm. on when people are channeling weaves at each other and they, they, they cut them. They cut the yeah. weaves to protect themselves instead of putting up shields or something, you know. Mm. So, this is something we see later on. So, Rand is... I, I, I figure Rand... Because he says, yeah, I've, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning fast or something like that. So, mm. it must be... He must be under constant attack. I don't know if it's his time now running through the woods by himself is a really long time, and that's why he's learned all these tricks, or if it's just so constant that he has to learn and adapt quickly. But
3: Probably both.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been a while. He's learned a lot.
0: Yeah.
3: With him having all those dark hounds, it wasn't just like a one-night event, I reckon. Yeah. I think it's this is his daily routine, running... Well, the, the, the- the haggard experience that
0: they describe mm. here makes it mm. seem like this has been a mm. a consistent and protracted
3: chase. How cool is it that he's got a fire that's not a fire? Oh, just dancing above the ground. Just <laughs> dancing above the ground. Yeah. yeah it's pretty but rad.
1: he's in the dream world, so that would explain it. Mm. He's not really out there, so she's in a dream. He knows it's a dream, and he's, uh, he's taking care of himself. So anyway, when he cuts those weaves, she gets recoiled backwards and Mm -hmm. she finds herself back amongst these rolling hills from whence she came. And uh, she's taking, she decides, okay, well, shit, that was crazy. Uh, I need to get to where I want to go. So she takes another step to travel, but it doesn't work. So again, she's like, hmm, how did the mechanics of this place really work? Last time she took one step and she ended up with Perrin, another step, and then she was with Rand, but now it's not working. Uh, so she tries a couple of things. She tries to the whole need, you know, like take me where I need to be. And she also channels into the, the ring a little bit to make it mm. do what she wants. Now I'm wondering if the channeling, if it's the need and the channeling was unnecessary or if it was both. Don't know. That made her get to where she wanted to go. But anyway, she gets to where she wants to go. When she opens her eyes, she's in the heart of the stone and the stone of Tear. Yeah. So there you go. Tear again. And that's exactly where she needs to go. And she sees Kalandor hanging in there. And she's had dreams about Rand reaching for a sword that is not a sword. Yeah. So she's like, mm. this has got to be it. Yeah. Um, and she hears a voice behind her like, ah, oh, like, finally, you've, you've arrived. This is that, m- that moment I spoke about earlier. Mm. And a very, very ugly woman steps out from behind the, <laughs> the pillars. <laughs> uh, warts all over her face. Warts on warts with hairs growing out of them. And this is, her name is now Sylvie. Apparently, which at f- the first time that I saw this, I thought, Oh, this is a wise one, because she seems so motherly and like, Oh, welcome. You know, like a wise one, but mm. obviously we find out later. No. <laughs> this is uh <laughs> this is Lanfear again. And something about Lanfear here, like that she's willing, she's not like the other Forsaken that's so arrogant and pompous. She's willing to make herself look like this, to debase herself to get yeah. what she wants. Like this is mm. she's she is different from the rest. She's my favorite. Well, by far. Forsaken. Forsaken. Chosen, you mean, mm. don't you, Moritz? Sh, 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 sh. So she's Celine Sylvie. I don't know if she's got a thing for names with S's, but anyway. <laughs> this is one of her many guises. We find yeah. out during this interaction that she is using this guise to get into the heart of the stone in person because she's posing as a servant. No one else is allowed in the heart of the stone, except, and nobody notices a servant. So she's posing as this dirty, ugly old woman to be cleaning the heart of the stone during the day. Well, she says this. Yes. I assume it's true. true? I wouldn't, I I don't think that she would lie about this.
0: Why? To Egwene in a dream? Why would she pose as a servant? She can literally walk into that room whenever she wants. She can travel. I don't know.
1: Maybe because no one notices her. Look, she's got motives. Why would she why would she be in disguise in the world of dreams in front of well, waiting
3: for Elaine? Ah for Green. But why is she in disguise? She's so many names. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, it just gets worse and worse.
0: I don't know. I, I just I just meant that like she yeah. says that she's a servant in that. She's painting a picture. She's she's in disguise. She is hiding her true identity from Egwene. So Pretending to be a servant in the heart of the stone could explain why she knows so much about it when she imparts that knowledge. Yeah.
1: Mm. Well, look, the Black Aja want to be there to stop Rand. Mm-hmm. Shamael wants to be there to take the sword, that is not a sword. Mm-hmm. Lanfear wants to be there to be with Rand when he does take the sword. Like everybody wants mm-hmm. to be there. This is this is the uh mm-hmm. this is the eye of the world of this book. It's the hip new joint. It's Everyone the hip. Yeah, except the the lords of tia <laughs> like no they, <laughs> they, don't they don't want to, want be, to be there <laughs> 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 they're too cool for this club uh-huh. um the one of the other things that she says is that uh it to call a a fool and to call the forsaken fools is a way of taking power away from them and she even gets a to say like but is a fool which is like yeah it does feel good actually um <laughs> like yeah and that's that's a lot of these, these, these things that she says during this that makes the first time reader realize that Sylvie is not Sylvie. That she's no. yeah, she's someone else. Yeah. yeah. That she's at least a Forsaken. Maybe you don't know in the first read that it's Lanfear, but yeah, she's not who she says she is. So she's pos- posing as the servant. So Egwene actually uses the one power to kind of delve and probe um, the saw the Calandor. And finds a barrier around it because Sylvie actually also well just turns around with a stick and tries to hit it and it stops like a foot short yeah. as if it's hit a barrier. And mm. so Egwene's delving it and she finds what weaves they use to make it. They used earth, uh, not earth, sorry, air and fire and spirit. But there's also gaps in that weave, which she realizes later on is like, oh shit, they used uh, Sidien as well to create this. Mm. So it was both of them used the same. Well, you know, men and women channeling together. So a lot of this gets figured out during this little delving. How long has
3: that sword been hanging in the sky there?
1: Thousands of years. Since when? Since after the breaking? Or before? Is it after the breaking? Look, since it's been hanging there, I don't know. But I think since it's been hanging there and since it it was created are two different times.
0: It's got a flaw because of the taint, right? So it was made after the Dark is, One escaped. Is that flaw because of the taint? Is that confirmed? Oh, I don't
1: know. I just assumed. I just no. know it has a flaw. Yes, we know it has a flaw, but I, I can't remember why it's flawed. Could be the taint. I mean, that makes sense. But This is where I play the callbacks jingle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll record that little singing callbacks jingle for you. So while they're talking about this and she's delving and whatnot, uh, they hear some footsteps approaching uh and she's and sylvie says like oh here he comes again to stare at it so uh, ishmael i suppose is coming here to come and have a little moody emo stare at uh at the sword that he cannot touch that he wants so badly but cannot have so she says to egwene like you better get the fuck out of here because this is not a good place to be right now and egwene's like i'm trying yeah <laughs> i want to go does, but not possible
0: huh? does sylvie say who's coming
1: no she doesn't she just says he. Mm-hmm.
0: But mm-hmm. I assume it's it's Ishmael. Could it be hmm, Belal? Could it? Don't know. <laughs> <Not soon enough. laughs> I suppose.
1: I don't know who it was. I figured it was Ishmael because he's in the mm-hmm. world of dreams a lot. And he mm-hmm. thinks that he is the dark one and he deserves everything. And he should be the one that's wield Kalando and all that kind of shit. So I don't know. But you have a point. It. it could be any one of the forsaken main men forsaken, because she says he mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah. But anyway, Egwene can't get out of there. She's trying to, you know, channel or trying to think of the need to get out of there, but it's not working. And Sylvie uh, slash Lanphier is like, oh, my girl, much to learn. You still have. And puts, <laughs> puts her little, she grabs, the, <laughs> she grabs the, the stone ring in her fingers. And Egwene's like, hey, you can't touch that. And she channels into it, I imagine, to make her mm. to go back. And Egwene is, uh, her world disappears in pain or something. This is, this is the only... Ripped from the world of dreams, yeah. Ripped from the world of dreams. That's the only way the Forsaken know how to do anything. <laughs> is With painfully, force yeah. and pain. Force yeah. and pain. Like, there's no other way.
3: Or that could just be Lanfear being really, just like, you know, having fun. As we said, she's bored. She's been locked yeah. up for a long time.
1: Yeah. It's just uh, yeah, This is how she does it. Yeah, a bit bored, I suppose. So, Egwene wakes up again, and she's back in her room, but she wakes up screaming in the, in the bed in pain. She's covered in sweat. And even Elaine are there, and they like, they calm her down and tell her, look, she's back in the real world. Chill out. Uh, she tells them what happened. She leaves out the part about Perrin, because she thinks to herself, that's Perrin's secret to tell. But it is a very Aes thing to do. Um mm. if you can trust anyone, it's naive and Elaine, yeah, and leaving out
0: information like that is a pretty isolated thing, but it's i mean she is also right, like yes, you know, outing someone is bad, you know, like that is parents, i don't know his fate mm. is uh his thing that mm. he needs to communicate with whoever he sees fit when he's ready
3: there's no benefit in them knowing with regards yes. to their no. quest or their purpose or their mission.
0: But it is noteworthy that she holds it back mm. from even her most trusted friends. Yeah. So
1: anyway, they have a discussion afterwards. She well, After she explains everything that's happened, she was in the Stone of Tear, blah, blah, blah. Tear, 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 tear. So they decide then and there that, look, I think it's time for another road trip, girls. Uh, we got to... <laughs> this hunt for the... For the black arse just hitting the road. Uh, we've, we've, sp- <laughs> we've spent enough time in the tower here scrubbing pots. It's time for us to leave. So, they, they, I mean, the question is, should we leave right fucking now? <laughs> like, one of the... naive is like, should we just go right now? And they're like, okay, maybe we should just have one night's sleep
0: before we hit the road. We ran headlong into this potential trap. Nothing happened. Should we run headlong into the next one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like should we run headlong into every trap until something happens? Until
1: we all die. Yeah. Maybe, perhaps yeah. then. Yeah, but anyway, they decide for for better, I imagine, that they yeah. should have one night's sleep before they hit the road. And that, uh, you know, they figure like how they start planning the logistics of it because they have the letters that Swan gave them. So mm-hmm. they will be able to mm-hmm. leave the city and, you know, get help along the way. Elaine doesn't, of course, have a letter. And as far as we know, Swan doesn't know that Elaine doesn't know as well so she wants to write a letter to her mother as well just to, you know the last time she disappeared from the tower without letting her mother know it, it was a big <laughs> thing so she knows <laughs> now but of course they can't just give it to anyone someone's going to read that letter um and she can't write anything in it that's going to give it away and all that kind of stuff so um that night they all they decide like look we're all freaked out it's dark it's late i don't want to go back to my rooms literally if you walk out that door someone's going to try and kill you <laughs> probably there's a dark there's a there's dark friend out there there's a black aja there's a gray man there's somebody's out there so they all sleep in Egwene's bed that night for that for the last time and right before do- dozing off nynaeve has a little giggle because uh, she's thinking to herself yeah. i just thought of the perfect person to deliver that letter someone in the tower right now who can't wait to get the fuck out of here and that's how we end this chapter and the next chapter begins
0: i love that ending uh, because Nani says she 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 knows um, that this person will do it, and she says, "I'll bet on it." Yeah, I'll bet yeah. on it. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, it's so great. And there's that second instance of Nani smiling again.
1: Yes. And then you turn the page in the book, and the next chapter heading, the image is the five dice, and you're like, "Ah, yes, yes, yeah. of, course. Mm-hmm. yes
0: of course, of course." Um, also, Egwene is still jealous of Elaine, having I'm jealous of Rand. You know, like when Elaine mentions something about Rand, um, she has a, a a jealous pang. Oh um, yes. But then, um, despite the fact that the, in that moment she also admits to herself that she has feelings for mm-hmm. mm Hmm. Can't shake those old feelings. Yeah. Anyway, no, Galad does have feelings for her too, but he will never. He have does. Them. Good old Gawain. Yeah, good old Gawain. He's
3: going to worm his way in there. <laughs> but it's becoming apparently clear here that uh, landfear is running a complete different agenda to everyone else. Yes. She's on her own little trip. Openly
0: in opposition to like the other Forsaken. Mm. Like her plans do not align with theirs. And when um, Perrin ran into those three male Forsaken having an argument in mm. the sort mm. of, the runriod version of the ways. Um, is also spying on them. You know, he yeah. sees her up on a balcony, and Ishmael, and who we think is Ravin, and Belal are having an argument about something. The reason I keep bringing up Belal Joe is because I he was brought up in that early chapter, and I think he is in Tia. It, there is a Forsaken posing as one of the High Lords of Tia. It is him, I think right? It is Belal. Yeah. I think so. All right. Let's keep this ball rolling. Chapter 28 is called A Way Out. And this one is for you, Willem.
3: This is a fun chapter. I really like it. A Way Out. It's uh, Nanive's little dream plan just before they go to sleep There is uh, coming clearly to light there. Matt is sitting in his room. He's just at breakfast. So naturally he's having his uh, post-breakfast snack, which consists of <laughs> yeah. some ham, three apples, bread and butter. It's, it's what, was what the I breakfast? eat a whole day, but <laughs> a whole pig. A whole yes. pig.
1: <laughs> like obelix, you know. Yeah. <laughs> wild boar. <laughs> wild boar.
0: <laughs> Those wild boar always looked
3: so delicious. Totally yeah, amazing. but it did.
1: I've tried wild boar. It is not that great. <laughs>
3: did you eat wild boar in Spain? Yes. Did, did you have uh war dog in South Africa ever? I don't think so I've had wartog. that's actually quite good. Warthog's good hmm pumba's damn tasty. <laughs> mm. Maybe it
1: was just the way it was prepared. could be it wasn't prepared by the Gauls a thousand years ago <laughs> <laughs> they
3: They did do a spit roast there, and they did it long <laughs> and slow, low and slow. Okay, so let's get back to uh, the story here where uh, Matt's having breakfast. That sidetracked us onto eating pigs. Uh, But Mm -hmm. yes, uh, no knock on the door. Three girls are in. Matt's sitting in his breeches only. And for a moment, he's kind of like, I get a put a shirt on. He's like, I can't be damned. They're not knocking anymore. They can just take me as I am. Yeah, just (laughs) deal with it. It's
1: your own fucking fault. (laughs) Yeah.
3: This is my room. (laughs) But yes, that's... uh... It's a lot of very beautiful descriptive things and sort of almost a, a bantering. It's great to have Matt back in his oh, man. same old, I mean, just read it. It's nothing crazy important. It's just them coming there thinking they could possibly manipulate him and asking him in a favor. And Matt's like, well, what are you going to pay me? What do I get out of this?
0: Like, he sees straight through them. They come in all smiles. Is like... Uh-oh. What what does he say? What does his dad say? He's got some saying about like you three are up to something. something like, what is it? Spill the yeah. beans. Mm. He was talking about one pretty girl
1: smiling, ask her for a dance, two small two smiling. Girls. girls,
3: three run away as far as yeah, you can. Number yeah. for three.
0: And uh quintessential Matt.
3: Yeah, they just it's Elaine eventually pipes up with a beautiful dimple smile that no, no, I just want you to deliver this letter. He's like Oh, it's easy. I, if I could get out of here, I'd run with that letter in my teeth. <laughs> I'd <laughs> run all the way. <laughs> and I think in the end it got so good that there's like saying, if you can get me out of the star grounds, I'd give Elaine a piggyback to her mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is an awesome Matt
1: chapter, like.
3: Yeah, it's like I want to actually just get to the crux of it because it's something that you have to read. It's just so Matt again he is mm, back. Yeah, he's giving mm-hmm. them all their hell. He's he's got a badger ready to put down someone's yeah. room. It's it's all good. But yes, eventually the girls have a quick discussion in the room while he's still sitting there. You can barely hear what they're saying. Then they present him with one of the letters that one gave them, uh, mm-hmm. saying the whole spiel like. Whatever I do is on the instruction of Lemberton, signed Swan, the whole spiel. Mm. So mm. he's like, wow, this is, wow. Okay, cool. This yeah. is awesome. So you just want me to walk out of here with that letter, done. <laughs> I'll give Elaine a yeah. piggyback with this letter all yes. the way to her mom. Deal. <laughs> Deal. And, and that's it it's planned <laughs> <laughs> the is gonna be delivered it's, that is yeah. the way out and this for Matt. that is just a fun chapter it was just a fun read it's like i said i, I can't say this enough matt is my favorite character out of all the men in terms yeah. of his mischievous nature and everything that he gets up to it's just this gambling way sort of Okay, how am I going to make money? How am I profiting out of delivering this letter? I'm not, no, but you want to see the the great city. And don't you want to be met and possibly meet the Queen of Andor? Or don't you want to serve? It? It's like, no, I don't want to serve. I <laughs>
2: don't no. any money. <laughs> no.
3: Look, there's a, there's a lot to delve into.
1: There's shit tons, which I'm sure we'll get into. But mm. there's also that the key point is that after, like, all the manipulation that gets thrown at him and he goes, what's in it for me? And they give him the letter. They sit down and have a fat chat for a long time afterwards because he's like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. he's, he's not a dick, you know.
0: And they talk about home. Yes. Yeah. And they, they get a bit sad when they talk about home, but they do yeah. reminisce. And they actually do have a nice long, like, a hangout. Yeah. And when that they is... leave,
1: he's sad to see them go. At the, yeah. end of the, at the end of the chapter. So, like, in, while in the beginning it does seem like he's being mischievous and, like, what's in it for me, selfish and whatnot, he's he's a good oak and he he misses them. Yeah. and oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. He's think... terrified that they're becoming Aes Sedai.
3: Yeah. I like that, how he uh, prompted it, like, yeah, I'll dance with you all. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> and he calls them all pretty, like, mm. to their face, like, he's not yeah. shy. No.
0: In this chapter we hear it's only been two days. Since he's healing. Mm. Mm.
3: Oh, that's what I wanted to bring up. It, The girls are now planning to leave. Yes. <laughs> They've been <laughs> back for three days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Quickly got raised to accept it, made an example of, and now
3: <laughs> they're going to go. Got raised to accept it, got a bunch of books, led by Lanphi on a fake trail, and they're out of there. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, sorry, right, got a jet. Pot scrubbing, fuck, there's a noise. Are we out of yeah. here? <laughs>
1: I think they've done enough spot pot scrubbing for for
0: several months. So they've paid their dues. Off we go. But it really does go quickly. Hey, like, I mean, bang, 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 bang. gray gray man raised to accepted. Uh, Matt's be healed, you know, (laughs) going to, Oh, discovered the whole world of dreams. Cool. Meta forsaken. Um, okay, let's go to tier. Cool. <laughs> so, so much has happened. All of those things happen, and
1: then in like from it takes from book eight to book eleven for for parent to find Fayyil in the snow. Like Jesus Christ, you could have done that in a paragraph.
0: Yeah, we were really spoiled for choice up front, eh? and then yeah. when it drags on in the back, we get all indignant about it. But I mean, that's really <laughs> no, <laughs> Probably the more appropriate
3: base. But Matt yes, was yes. he was on it when um, Naive said. Uh we wanna ask you a question. And he's like, Hold up. Uh-oh. <laughs> My niece doesn't ask questions. Yeah. She tells bullies or demands what's up here. And then you do.
0: He's sharp, he's confident, he's uh he's cocky, he's is skilled with the quarter staff, like he gets all those like battle tactics memories and stuff like later. He's just loaded with all these traits that are um that are just really, really fun and cool to read about. You know, mm-hmm. like he's just, he's, I can't remember, like apart from, I mean, he paid his dues. The mm-hmm. first two books, he is in dire straits, mm-hmm. right? And he is actually quite unpleasant to be around most of the time. So he's paid his dues up front. But from that point forward, after he's healing from here, you know, I don't remember Matt ever coming across as like tortured or brooding or you know like he might have like mood swings and stuff but he he is always whenever you read about him from here on out it's like stoked a matt mm. chapter it's almost it's yeah, almost a relief like this is not him like questioning his own sanity because he's being confronted in his dreams by some you know man with flaming eyeballs this is just matt gonna matt you know like, just Matt's rolling with it be himself and just rolling with it and rolling with the punches and then still like achieving incredible feats of bravery and and prowess that are just i mean that literally
1: save the world later on yes and he doesn't stop paying for his dues when he meets the um the elfin and the eelfin i mean he gets hung by his neck for dead he loses Mm. an eye he doesn't stop paying for it but he never becomes this he never goes back to emo emo matt
0: no no he doesn't Mm -hmm. it's um it's probably why he's my favorite character it's always, it's always fun to read him.
1: So, yeah, that's true. When, look, I, I will 100% agree. I, I might not say he's my favorite character. I'll have to get to book 14 on this, this reread to make that mm-hmm. d- decision. But every time I see those dice at the top of the page, I know I'm in for a good yeah. ride. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not going to yeah. be a boring chapter.
0: You're going to have a chuckle. Or you're going to be reading with like a grin on your face.
1: <laughs> exactly. There's a, there's a point as well where um, Elaine uh, tries to convince Matt. To take the letter, mm-hmm. and then she gives him a smile, and he thinks to himself, uh, "That dimple's probably worked on a lot of other guys before." <laughs> and when she walked... <laughs> <laughs> and when she when, when he denies her, she turns around. And she says to him, "You told me if I smiled at him that."
0: Because he... <laughs> 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 yes. all the girls also just think of him as like just a, a mm. stupid boy, you know. Yes. But no, he is sharp as a tack.
1: All their best laid plans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when Matt brings up Tier. The girls sh- sort of shoot a worried glance at each other because he's touching on exactly what their immediate plans are. Mm. But then they sort of soften up and they have a little chuckle to themselves when he says, "Guys, if you ever need me, just call for me." Yeah, and they're like, "Okay." This song and dance again because Land said the same thing to Nynaeve and Huron yeah. said the same thing to all of them at the bridge in the town. Yes, yeah, but the, the,
3: um, the green, the, Elaine sort of held it in, but Iguin had mm-hmm. a laugh like straight yep. at it and they're thinking like all men are the same and mm-hmm. he he can't figure out and quite honestly i can't figure it out as well like is it, it's is because it, you're a man really <laughs> <laughs> you would say the same thing
1: <laughs> exactly
0: egwene would laugh at you they possibly. said
1: like they say at the end of their conversation look if a woman ever needs a hero she needs him now not tomorrow yes, so yeah yes. like that's an empty promise if you need me give me a call and what if you're on the other side of the fucking world when a, a trollock is trying to kill me you know like mm-hmm. uh what good are you to me then? You know, all these empty promises yeah. these men make to sound chivalrous yeah. and heroic.
0: Matt, but Matt does save a bunch of Aes from like Sean Chan capture. He saves Moraine from the Elfin and the Alephern. Like he's constantly
3: coming to people's rescue and he's like always pretending like, Oh, he doesn't actually want to do it. <laughs> yes. I'm just, I'm just going along because there's guys who can I, who I can gamble with and take yeah. their money. Yeah. He reckons he can make the money
0: to be on a boat to Tier or to, or to Camelin. That same that night. Knight. Mm. Yeah. Yes, he only needs one night to turn his. What does he have now? Four silvers. No, uh, six. He, two, have, uh, he
1: had two, so he got another.
0: He four. had two. He
3: yeah, had two, and he got four. Two of each. Oh, he got, got two from silvers. each of them. Yeah, mm. exactly. That's yeah, right. just double the odds. Two guys, two against one. Yeah. Double the odds Makes sense. That's a good. That's a good bet.
0: Yeah.
3: Okay, our last chapter for this
0: episode is chapter twenty-nine: A Trap to Spring. So we join the girls as they're working the spit roaster rig in the kitchen. So this is obviously some time later. Under the watchful eye of Laris, the mistress of the kitchens, which we find out later is not an actual title. She's just the chief cook, uh, but people sort of jokingly call her the mistress of the kitchens like Sherim is the mistress of the novices. Um, Laris is a, a large woman with many chins who wields a wooden spoon like a scepter and thinks about how she uh, tried smiling at her once uh, or even like stopping for polite conversation, but nothing has ever lightened her mood. Like Nynaeve has no time for her because she can't handle being sort of uh, made an example of like this, you know, mm. like it's, it's Nynaeve is very proud and this is like chafing her. So she's trying to sort of ingratiate herself with Laris and it's not working and that's just nope. getting her more <laughs> frustrated. But she thinks to herself that she'll put up with this so that she can learn how to channel so that she can ultimately get back at moraine for what she's done to them and the emus field is still just carrying this torch of revenge then suddenly the eminent seat strides into the kitchens by herself with um, no accompaniment so leanne for once is not with her so the girls are thinking oh great finally we're going to get an opportunity to talk to her here Um, but she doesn't come to the girls she (laughs) stalks the kitchens glowering at everyone and sort of looking at everything with a face of disgust and everything um, is, is not up to her standard. And she's generally just radiating an air of disapproval and annoyance. Um, and finally, when she stops near the spit where the girls are working, um, she glares at the whole kitchen while everyone just sort of keeps their heads down and um, avoiding her gaze. Even Laris has sort of like joined one of the groups of women, like stirring a pot with this wooden spoon that she wields, uh, you know, that usually is clean. And now she's actually having to use it with, uh, to cook with. Swan says that she's, she says loud enough for everyone in the kitchen to hear that she's had um, enough of uh, Elaine's sort of talk, uh, she sort of alludes to the fact that Elaine said something that she shouldn't have said, which is this complete fabrication um, and that she'll need to have her sort of her mouth scrubbed out or something like that because mm-hmm. of what she had said. And Egwene is listening to this and you can see the look of indignation on Egwene's face. And she's thinking, stay quiet, stay quiet. Don't say anything. And Egwene is like, but mother, she didn't, and Swan just turns around to her and says, oh, so you want to share her punishment with her? Do you, off with you. And um, she, I think she sends Elaine and Egwen both off with um with Laris. Now Laris yes. pulls
3: them by the ears. She grabs yeah. them both <laughs> by the ears and drags them like little children. To
0: literally go have their mouths scrubbed out. They come with back soap. later with like soap. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think I mean I, I wondered why she had done this, but I think maybe was it because she wanted to get Elaine out of there to mm, talk yes. to
3: Nynaeve in Egwene about Yeah, she says this much. Hunt? She, she's pissed off that Egwene piped up, but she couldn't not then at that stage. Mm, so, she couldn't not do anything. But she also said it's maybe a good thing maybe she'll learn to shut up when she needs to shut up yes she'll learn to hold
0: her mouth now because of this it's she's there's there's a lesson in here for her but she also comes out and says that she figured that elaine would join them anyway so it's not like she's Mm. genuinely trying to get elaine out of there because she doesn't want it to find but maybe she's hedging her bets and saying in case the girls hadn't told her anything elaine is to i got
3: the feeling there that she just didn't want to involve elaine so that she doesn't have to lie to um, more gays,
0: yes, and she elaborates on that later. Yes, mm. but she also says that she knows that Elaine is helping them already. Mm. Yeah, she's wise.
1: This lesson that Egwene's supposed to learn about shutting her mouth, she hasn't learned it yet. She's not going to learn it <laughs> anytime <not> gonna... soon. <laughs> it's no. like this is a recurring theme with Egwene.
3: Yeah, but how good is this that Nineve Nineve? Mm-hmm. Yes, the one that's actually now learning to control and yeah. quiet down and be mm-hmm. sort of the the opposite of that, sort of the the voice of reason almost. She's
0: the she's definitely the de facto leader of this little group. Mm. Yeah. For all the talk and pretense of them all being accepted now, they're all on a level playing field. Nineveh is the one that comes up with most of the plans. She's the one that makes the decisions, she's the one that takes the lead. She's the one having the conversation with Swania. Um, she's definitely sort of She's only got a couple of years on, on Egwene, right? Like she's only like four or five years older than Egwene. Mm. She's in her if early that. 20s and Egwene is 18 now. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, after they leave, Swan and Nynaeve can have sort of like a, hush, a hushed conversation where Swan is talking to Nynaeve without the rest of the kitchen hearing what they're saying. And I don't know if Nynaeve mentions Sheriam at first, but Swan tells her here yeah, that thing we said in the last episode about Sheriam finding a dead grey man in yes. her bed. Mm. A, yes, A woman. Um, I, I had read that on the internet before, that it happens later, and I didn't realize it's the very next episode of our podcast. But yes, yeah. now she tells her that. Nynaeve is unsympathetic. She's, you know, all the the uh, the, the obvious, you know, signs, I, I say obvious, but quote-unquote obvious signs, pointing to Sherry being in cahoots with whoever killed the grey man, you know, all those, what we seem to be, or seem to think are obvious clues, um, have definitely led Nynaeve to be... Um, Skeptical and uh, mistrusting of hmm. of Sheriam. Yeah. So she's unsympathetic about it. She notes that Sheriam had a chance to see Egwene's notes from Verin, um And that also Elida did. And that Alana behaved oddly. But Swan sort of shrugs off the Alana behavior as Arifelin, hmm. um Because that's where she's from. And they have weird notions about honor. But she says that she'll keep an eye on her anyway. Nineveh then tells Swan that she doesn't know why she would have, why Swan would have trusted Elsie Grinwell of all people with a message like the one that she brought. But the message was in fact helpful because, you know, now she's got all these things and they've got a plan about going to Tier. Nineveh had told swan about the contents of the room so she asks her why she would trust elsie with this message but she also relays then what the message yielded right so like that in the contents of this room they found all these things pointing to tear and that it seems like a trap but they you know they they're thinking of going swan replies with a long silence and then she just straight up says i sent no message daughter Mm -hmm. Leandrin and her friends things were searched and burned and elsie has been put out of the tower 10 days ago. Dun, dun, dun. hmm So Nynaeve realizes the magnitude of what that means, that whoever appeared to them was not Elsie, and that a disguise that good could mean that literally anyone they're talking to could be Leandrin herself. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, fuck, okay. Now, we weren't trusting anyone to begin with, and now we literally can't talk to anyone. So Swan asks, okay, so what do you mean to do about this trap? Are you going to um, go spring it and wait for the Black Archer to reveal themselves? But she begrudgingly agrees that it might be the only way to actually draw them out into the open. Uh, and then says that she will actually leave gold in their rooms for their yeah. journey, which was you know, a concern for them because they didn't have any money.
1: They're not mad. They don't have that. They don't have any dice cups. <laughs> no, not... no. I, I like how uh, how Swan is like. Well, I suppose you guys want to go now. Well, fine. When are you leaving? I'll leave some gold in your room. Like no arguments. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no. Also,
3: it's. I suppose Elaine's going with you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She says she'll she'll make up an excuse. There's a cover story. I'll tell them that I sent you to one of the work farms to go hoe cabbages or something yes. as <laughs> punishment. <laughs> punishment. Um, And that's when she says, I suppose Elaine's going with you as well. And then Nynaeve's like, oh, what? Nynaeve calls her, you scheming old. (laughs) Why all the pretense if you knew? This is the Avalon seat. And Nynaeve is calling her a scheming old something. Yeah, Which I took note Which made that. me laugh out loud when I read it. And uh, that's when Swan, she says, look, I mean, it's all about plausible deniability, right? Like she needs mm. to be able to say to uh, Morgase that she never intentionally included Elaine in any of these plans that could endanger her and happen all by herself. And she always knew that Elaine sooner or later was going to join them anyway, especially since Elaine already ran off with him the first time. Mm. Like she yes. can see it. She's not an idiot. But at this point, she says, okay, look, we've been talking for a while now. Is that all? And Nynaeve just asks her as a final question, what is Kalandor, mother? And like Mm. she's gone from calling her you scheming old to actually using the mother mother honorific, which shows you like the sort of like this serious nature of this question that she's posing. Yeah, And Swan has a physical reaction. Like she actually looks back at Nynaeve because the whole time they're talking, they're making as if they're not talking, right? Like Mm. practicing their ventriloquism. But she looks back and she says, they cannot be allowed to have that. The Black Ar- Arja may, under no circumstances, be allowed to have Kalando. It is the third most powerful Sa'angriel ever created. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to ask you guys, is that third to the two Kudankal? Yes. Mm-hmm. Must be, that's right?
3: A, that's yes. what I'm taking out of it, the two Kudankal and then Kalandor.
0: So it's not like she's counting the Kudankal as one and then there's another one. No, they're two separate things. Now, this is going to be... Vili, this is going to sound absolute Greek to you. And Jody, you might not remember this at all. But apparently, I think it's Demondred brings from Shara mm. another Sa'angriel that's like this this goblet that fits on top of a scepter. It's these two different parts that are put together. And apparently, it is also like this immensely powerful Sa'angriel. It's... Parts of it is for thousands of years or however long we're in a cave guarded by one of the worms from the blight yeah. that as a young worm made it into the cave and then fed on people that came in there and grew too big to leave and, dem- and they can't be killed by the one power either. Like I, f- yeah. I think f- channeling at them makes them stronger or something, and it wasn't something that Agonor had ever intended to be used in battle. It was just like literally trying to create the most hideous and dangerous <laughs> thing he possibly could. And Demondred yeah. sort of like praised himself for being able to actually get past it get to the thing. That's how Demondred
1: proves himself to be the savior of the Shara by defeating that thing ah, that's and be- right. getting the getting that that uh, that Sangreal. It's got a that's that's crazy, why they follow a
0: foreign name. Mm, right i can't remember i
1: read i read this because this is a a short story or something oh is it demondred's demondred's time in in shara Mm -hmm. is in a collection of of short stories i can't remember what it's called now oh i'm gonna find it yeah
3: see how i didn't comment anything there because all of that (laughs) was not greek but latin (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you could understand Latin better than Greek, I think. But listen,
0: yeah, yeah. you can go find it. It's not going to be anything spoilery. No. Um, anyway, so I was, tra- I was trying to figure out, like, had Robert Jordan figured out that thing yet, you know, is that counted in Swan's list? Maybe she doesn't even know about it at all. Who knows? Anyway, yeah. the call, and then Kalando. Kalando is, the message to take away is Kalandor is crazy powerful mm. and the Black Archer cannot be allowed to have it. She says there that, I think Swan says here to Nynaeve that it's in the Stone of Tear, and Nynaeve says, but I thought that the Great Lords hate anything to do with the One Power, and she says they do, and they actually... That when when a, a lord is raised to high lord in Tear, it's done in the heart of the stone, sort of in sight of of Kalandor. They that ceremony is called the guarding of something, mm. but they believe that they are actually guarding the world against the dragon reborn by keeping this vital item of the dragon reborn proclaiming himself in the stone of Tear, which is impenetrable. Yes. So as long as Kalandor is in the stone of Tear. He'll never get it, and there'll never be a dragon reborn, and the world will remain safe. And it also comes out that within the Stone of Tear, probably within the heart of the stone somewhere, they house nearly as many Terangryl as the White Tower itself, Yeah, which Mm. is a
3: vast Mm.
0: repository in that
3: case. They've been collecting them for years and years and years. Everything that just gets shoved in there.
0: And she says she thinks they, they get the sense that as long as they're controlling these Terangruel, keeping them out of circulation, they are in some way diminishing the One Power, which is this thing that they, um, that they fear.
1: And then in a few chapters, Rand just walks in and takes everything. <laughs> <laughs> in five minutes.
0: <laughs> and, and then they cart out all those Terangruels. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks, guys. <laughs> we'll, we'll have these now. Thank you. All in one spot. How handy. Yeah. So after that little spiel and the education about the High Lords and Tears, Swan says it's time to go, but that she has to set things right in the kitchen. And when, um, and Laris is a good woman and she, she runs the kitchens well. And Nynaeve sort of sniffs and grumbles about Laris and her spoon, but Swan chides her and tells her that Laris was the one that went to Sheriam to find out how long that the girls had to do the hard, hard labor before they could move to lighter duties, saying she would not be party to breaking a woman's health or spirit. Mm. So no matter what, uh, no matter what the Eminence says. What did you just hold up there, Joe?
1: That specific text. Uh, we all got the exact same text open. This is noteworthy because she says to her, "I mean, she says to Nineveh, 'Oh, you're such a good uh, judge of character, aren't you?'" You uh-huh. got Laris completely wrong. Like,
0: yeah, 100%. Mm. Now, when Swan and Leanne are deposed, mm. Laris is the one that helps them escape. Mm. And when Egwene is later captured in the tower, Laris offers to Egwene to help her escape. And Egwene declines. She stays in the tower mm. uh, for reasons that we all know. But Egwene says that she got the sense that Laris had done this many times before. And she suspects that Laris is probably the one helping girls run away from the tower when they don't want to be there anymore. Ah. So she is not only the one that went to Sherry and said, I don't want to break this woman's spirit. She is like running like an underground railroad. Like
1: resistance.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for for girls that want to escape. So yeah, completely misread her. But when she has come back with Egwene and Elaine sort of like wiping the soapy suds out of their (laughs) mouths, Swan makes a big show of walking up to Laris and saying, everything is going really, really well in the kitchens. You do an excellent job here. I think maybe I should make Mistress of the Kitchens an official title. Yes. Um, And with that, she leaves. And then Egwene and, and um, Elaine are coming. They're, they're back and they've got like a sour face on, obviously. And they're like, oh, please tell me that Amelin said that we don't have to stay here, yeah, that we could go. Yeah, this yeah. is the pits. Um, and uh, Naini was like, yeah, no, no, we're going to leave tonight. Yes, <laughs> Pack your shit. And Nynaeve looks over at Laris and she sort of wants to like, oh, now that she knows this thing about her, she wants to smile at her again and so she smiles Mm. and Laris just starts tapping her spoon on her leg again not giving away (laughs) anything but this time Nynaeve notes that the spoon is actually dirty and not clean like it used to be so she's rubbing like stew all over her leg. (laughs) She takes a bit of pleasure out of that. But yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, she fills in the girls that they're going to leave and that is it. Mm. (laughs) Three days later, off they go again.
1: Fuck. i know it seems much longer because we there's like so many chapters that that from different points of view and we take so long to record it. i feel like we've been back in the tower for months it's been three days
0: it's amazing it's it's so great so did you guys have anything else for that chapter
3: no i really liked it i uh, enjoyed that chapter that mm. um, I like the backstory of the Loris, like the, the stuff you don't know about her. Mm. The the Loris bit, yes, but uh Swan is on it. She's mm. she's she knows what's happening. She knew what the girls mm. would do. She knew they were gonna pull the lane into it by the, yeah. right <laughs> off the bat. And she's she says as well, if I could have a hundred of you, I'd have a hundred, but three yeah. is better than two. Yeah. So she just wanted a her, her name clean, so she doesn't start a war with. With Andor. Andor, came. Oh fuck the queen, guys.
1: <laughs> but there is, um, they are working actively against the Amberlin at this point because they've given Matt that letter of hers. She mm-hmm. doesn't. Swan doesn't want Matt to leave, but they've taken it no. upon themselves to no well, fuck you, your plans. Um, yeah,
3: they play by their own rules. Mm they got to have the little... Also, well, hold on. Matt can possibly be playing them. Remember, he's Tavirian.
1: Yeah, but if you're Tavirian, you play people by accident, just by the nature. Uh, like he's, yeah. I don't think he's... I, he's just trying to get the out. The
3: Tavirian guy wanted to leave, and woman brought him a letter that gives him a way out. It's
0: true. Well, that is true.
1: You have a point. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so have you guys remembered to Choose a favorite moment now, Jody. You're off the hook this week because oh you no, I forgot favorite moment <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> yes, I did so regale us, Jody. Is it Matt beating the brothers of the quarter staff? No, it's Laris. No, of course, it's Matt. Of course, <laughs> of course Matt. it is.
1: Of course, it's Matt. Yeah. Laris comes in second for being rad,
0: yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I am Jack's complete lack of surprise, <laughs> of course. <laughs>
1: Totally. Of course no. it's me. Yeah. Um, and even more so now that I've read it recently and I've realized that it was over in 45 seconds, according to Villy yeah. O'Clock. So, <laughs> yeah, like even more so. It's even better than I remembered it.
0: Yeah, Sam. I also think so. How about you, Vil?
1: That's everyone's favorite moment. <laughs> Thank you for joining us.
3: I, uh, I cannot pick the favorite moment in that because I knew Jody was amped on it. Uh-huh. but we, I had to look in that moment for something else that made me smile broader uh-huh. and it was after the the beating, after the whipping when Haymar uh-huh. comes up to Matt and asks him where he's from and he says Mnetherin yes. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I love it's that it's very Those cool Very, yeah. like, he's, he's the old tongue, the old blood is singing through him, it's great yeah. mm.
0: it is awesome hey Ah, <sighs> Mine is also Matt related, <laughs> of course. It is. <laughs> but I also knew that Jody was gonna obviously pick this one. I've already shared the five, five grom, five arrows favorite moment with Jody. So I was determined this time not to. And I think genuinely this time, actually, my favorite moment is Matt's interaction with the three girls when they come into his room. And just like how he is generally just being quintessential Matt, Matt's back. Mm. Um, he's the the lovable rogue. Um yeah, just everything about that interaction, and like you call that Joe, like how afterwards, after the sort of feeling each other out and getting what they the, what they need from each other out of each other, and then actually just sitting down and reminiscing and having a good old a good old chat. Mm. Um, I love that.
1: If there's one sentence that sticks out to me, um, and again, it is a math sentence, is mm-hmm. that that thing about the coins? I could bet you those two coins, and he goes, "Not your coins." Mine, my goodness! <laughs> he puts them in his pocket. So good. <laughs> Let's so just good. be
0: clear here. This
1: is now my money. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Adrian wrote in with an honourable mention for um, also Matt. Uh, mm-hmm. After the quarterstaff scene, uh, she was just saying that Hamar's final words about you know this famous swordsman, old Jazza. No Jazza. Ten thousand people, and um, he was only ever beaten by the by the farmer with the quarterstaff, always gives her chills. Yeah. Which is a good moment as well. Totally. Okay, so listeners, I'm sure you have favorite moments. You've read a lot of Wheel of Time. Parts of it jump out at you. Tell us what they are. Send them in to us at uh, Blood and Ash... Po- what is it? At Blood and Ash Pod on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. you tell me. <laughs> um, there's other social media links in the description of our show. We asked so many open-ended questions on this one. Right, like how many times did I use the word callbacks? And <laughs> Someone asked a question, uh-oh, callback, put a pin in it. <laughs> yeah. So um, please do enlighten us. We've got a lot of questions, obviously. We go and research some of the stuff, but we obviously always get things wrong as well, inevitably. So uh, do do join in. And then um, I'm sure everyone has a friend that has read The Wheel of Time and is champing at the bit to talk about it at you know any moment. And uh, direct them to our podcast. I'm sure they would love to... Uh, correct us and to add their voices to the collective conversation in our next episode we will cover chapters 30 through 35 so chapter 30 is called the first toss and chapter 35 is the falcon oh i'll be there already (laughs) no right yeah wow have you not read that far joe nope i haven't
1: christina told me she was going to uh keep it keep pace with us as well but she's already on the next book like i don't know how many <laughs> I did. she didn't stop so the other day she said to me just out of the blue she's sitting on the couch reading and goes perrin is one of my favorite characters i'm like uh, okay thanks for that no context but anyway yeah i agree
0: also you already knew that yes i did <laughs> he's a beefy boy who doesn't love him gotta love a beefy boy that was a fantastic episode. I loved everything that happened in there. There was hardly a dull moment. Um, mm. I hope the next uh, the next stretch is as entertaining. Uh, but on that note, I will say goodbye to you, gentlemen, and to our listeners, and I will see you all next time. Ladies,
3: everybody, adios.